Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I just had to make sure my Britton Covey conversation that I'm having with him right now. You'll, you'll, you'll have to hang on for a second. And by the way, he may call during the program and not to show his number, but, you know, Britain's having a conversation with me right now. So, you know, because I posted something about him opening his mouth again. And, and by the way, I, I I don't know if I have a problem with what he's saying, but what I don't want him to do is walk it back like he did with the Baird Brooks comments. If you say something, stick to your guns. So hang on, I'm still talking. Hey, hey, hang on. Oh, he sent him a nice picture of his college coach, Kyle Winningham, who I'm dear friends with, as you know. Just so you know, the Eagle people listen to me. They listen to the program. And um, it's pretty interesting and pretty crazy what he said about what happened down the stretch of the football team and the Eagles meltdown. Players and coaches disconnected. They just absolutely disconnected. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what everybody's been saying. Okay? Protect Covey at all times. Look, man, if you say something, stick to your guns. That's all I'm saying. If you said that the players and the coaches had a troubling time together and that they couldn't connect, at the end of the day, this is a Nick Sirianni thing. Why in the world are you bringing that guy back? Okay? Why are you bringing Nick Sirianni back? Why? Why are you bringing him back? If he could not stop the mess, he had no answers. Do you really believe that that head coach is going to right the ship this coming season? Dude. This is really troubling. Man, I don't care what kind of coordinators you have in the building. You got a guy in the building that doesn't belong in the building. Man. And and now, 
you 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 have a coach who's dead man walking. That's who Nick Sirianni is. It's dead man walking. It's it's just it doesn't make sense. I'm going to give you my Super Bowl prediction. I'm going to talk more about what I listened to. And Britain's in Vegas at Radio Row right now, or we would have talked earlier. We're going to talk around 4 p.m. Eastern or Pacific time, which is 7 o'clock your time. We're going to have a conversation. I'm not really going to go after him, but I'm going to go after the environment that Nick created in the building here in a second. But before we go on, I, I, I got a note here that I want to make sure that I get to every other sports league outside the NFL. NBA, why would you have your trading deadline during Super Bowl week? You see the NFL honor show last night? How awesome was that? Big production. All the NFL stars were there. The commissioner was there. All of that was spectacular. Hey, dude, has Major League Baseball released their their, their awards for MVP and Gold Glove? Have they done that? Have have they have they done that? Has Major League Baseball? I mean, do, who was the MVP this year? Who won the MVP in baseball? Tell me. Uh, um, do, who who won the Most Valuable Player Award in Major League Baseball this year? Has to be Shohei Otani. Was it was it Otani that won it? Did Shohei Otani? Did he win it? Okay, okay, thanks. When did that come out? Two months ago? Three months ago? When did that thing come out? Like like four, uh, a month and a half ago? O- Otani and Acuna. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. Thanks for telling me. I didn't know. NBA trading deadline, Super Bowl week. Here's a note to you guys. Why in the world would you ever compete against that juggernaut that knows how to work a sports calendar? Here's the NFL. Regular season, trading deadline, postseason, Super Bowl, free agency, the NFL draft, OTAs and combines, camp, NBA, Major League Baseball, God forbid the NHL. Do you guys know how to work a sports calendar? Do you, do you guys know how to work it? You need to listen and follow along what the NFL does here because they know how to use a calendar. You know, I mean, the NFL has this thing so scripted out. That was great last night. Congratulations to Lamar Jackson, the youngest man to win two MVP awards. I mean, congratulations. I was kind of shocked Dak was second. All right, Cowboys and all that. Dak did have a great year. Hey, he's got something in common now with Jalen. He finished second in the MVP voting. That'll help in my thinking contract negotiations. I mean, Jesus, criminy. The NBA has their trading deadline Super Bowl week and during media week. You can't be any stupider. See, the NBA still thinks they're a player in sports when it comes to sports broadcasting. You're not. When it comes to the NFL, dude, you're not. Right? 
WWE has more people caring about their sport than the NBA. Especially when you got to put little bylaws in. If you don't play 65 games, you can't win an award. You got to do that to make your players want to play. Dude, you talk about a lazy sport. The NBA is a lazy sport. They're lazy in how they present it, and they're lazy how they play it. That's why fans in America, in middle of America, don't like the NBA. That's why ratings have tanked. That's why they have to rely on China for economic dollars. That's why they have to rely on cable. The NFL doesn't have to do any of that shit. You know, you know the one thing about the NFL? They don't promote one star. They promote the league. Like, you don't wrap yourself around. Patrick Mahomes may be the face of the league, but he they can live with him or without him. You think the – get this. All-time ratings this year. Think about this, Tone, everyone. All-time ratings this year. The year after Brady retires. What happens when Jordan and Kobe and LeBron retire? The NBA goes in the tank like golf does when Tiger was out. The NFL had all-time ratings when the all-time greatest player in the sport left. Dude, they don't need anybody. They don't need anybody. Not one player runs that league. So get this. When you say who's the face of the NFL, there isn't one. That's the hidden gem of the league. They're not relying on one guy to carry the league like Jordan. Nobody cares. Tom Brady, big deal. Peyton Manning, big deal. That's right, Hollywood. The Shield is the face of the league. The Shield. And the biggest sporting event in America Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. You know, I you know, I, I'm I'm gonna do the game first because I'm really pissed off that the Eagles brought back Nick Sirianni. Especially after hearing Britton Covey talk about it. And so cavalierly talked about it. And get this anytime you make a comment and you're a Philadelphia Eagle and it has something to do with your teammates or your team. You could be talking between two cups and a string in Anchorage, Alaska. It's going to get picked up, son. It's going to get picked up. It's going to get picked up. Not smart. Not smart at all. Again, I'm looking for, by the way, maybe it is smart. I'm looking forward to talking to him later on. I am. By the way, I've got no, I'm, he, you know, he said just like me, he's got no, we're no, no ill will towards me, nor do I towards him. What I don't like and what I didn't like was him calling and making reference to potentially Barrett Brooks being a liar. Barrett's my friend. That was maybe more my issue. Okay. We're going to talk. I'll give him exactly everything he has to say. And I'm looking forward to it. 
Let me get to the game first. Let's start you out here with this. Who do you like Sunday? Tell me you don't think this game looks exactly like Super Bowl 58. Don't you think this looks like Super Bowl 58? With the 49ers having the best roster. And there's Kansas City again. With the lesser roster and another underdog situation. Doesn't this look like the same thing as last year with the Eagles taking on Kansas City? No, Q, Covey's not coming on. We're going to ask him if he would like to come on next week. I'd love to have him on. I'll ask him. He direct messaged me and wants to talk. And I said, I'm open to talk. I have no problem. By the way, I have no problem talking with anyone. Anyone wants to talk to me? Bob Lang called me. Let me know how he feels. And I flat out told him, okay, I, you're not going to change my opinion on your GM and how your GM operates and what I think of your head coach. And he was like, whatever reasoning, thinking that he was going to change my views and my opinion because he thought about accessibility. Well, this just in. Darius Slay, Britton Covey, coaches, all reach out to me. I don't to them. I don't reach out to them. You know, I guess because I'm a former player, there's a comfort level in listening to me and also knowing full well I'll give them an ear. Okay? I guarantee you that's it. Because I'll always give an NFL player the benefit of the doubt when it comes to clearing the air. Okay? Let me get to the game first, and we'll get back on that topic, I promise. 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Here's my takeaway. The 49ers cannot let Kansas City get out to a start, and they cannot get and let the Chiefs score first. They can't let those guys get into any kind of rhythm. You can't let Mahomes get into a rhythm where he feels comfortable in the pocket. You have got to get home. That San Francisco 49er defense has to show up, and the front four has to show up big. They have to show up. If they don't show up and that guy throws in rhythm, that thing is going to be a fourth-quarter game, and in the fourth quarter, the, the Kansas City Chiefs will win this thing again. Like they did to you the first time you played them in a Super Bowl. They will do it again like they did last year when they had to play the Eagles. Mahomes will make a play when he has to make a play. You can't let this game get into the fourth quarter. San Francisco has to score first, and they have to be physical with them. You cannot let Pacheco get going. If Pacheco gets going and that offense has a, a third person that's moving the sticks for them, San Francisco's defense is going to be held accountable for this loss because if Pacheco, in my opinion, I think he's the wild card in this game. If that guy rushes for 120 yards in this thing, this thing's over. Kansas City wins this thing, and they could win it by 10 points. You cannot have Pacheco getting off in this ball game, okay? There's only really two stars in this game. 
If that guy gets over 120 yards, Kansas City wins this thing by 10 points. Can't happen. Purdy can't turn the ball over. Mahomes can. You see, the problem between Mahomes and Purdy, Mahomes can throw himself out of trouble. Purdy can't. He doesn't have the comeback capability. I liked it in the NFC title game. First time they showed a little bit of comeback capability, they did. They came down or from behind against Detroit. They got it done. But Purdy has not been in that environment that long like Mahomes has been in that environment. And Andy Reid. You cannot let Kansas City in any way whatsoever. If he has a clean game, Mahomes has a clean game, and Purdy turns that ball over, Kansas City wins the game by 10 points. Steve Wilkes versus Andy Reid. Steve's got to get pressure on Mahomes. Got to move him around in the pocket. Got to keep that guy contained and setting the edges. Double teaming Kelsey. You have the people to do it with those linebackers and Fred Warner. You have to be physical with Travis Kelsey. You have the guys to do it. They've got to be physical with Travis Kelsey. Fred Warner, Greenlaw, those guys stay on his ass. Because if he gets going and Pacheco gets going, 10-point win. You got Kyle versus Steve Spagnola. That's going to be another interesting matchup. Spread you out. Dude, I want to see how they're going to try to get Debo Samuel open in this ball game because Debo getting open and McCaffrey getting open underneath and you got Kittle and you got Ayuk. Holy cow. I'm going to do something again. Guys, Tone, everyone, here it is again. 28-21 San Francisco. They're just too good. If that team, Kansas City, beats the two best rosters in the last 15 years in Super Bowl play, Mahomes is in that room now with Montana and with Brady. Because the last two years, I mean, the 49ers have Hall of Famers on that team. Trent Williams is going to the Hall of Fame. George Kittle has a shot at being a Hall of Famer. Fred Warner has a shot at being a Hall of Famer. Christian McCaffrey has a shot at being a Hall of Famer. Dude, if that kid wins that game and he wins his third Super Bowl, I'll tell you something. Andy Reid and him could be the best quarterback signal caller head coach since, since I would say, Bill Walsh in Montana. Be incredible. Just utterly incredible. Incredible. I mean, I, I know the conventional wisdom is, Sills, are you really going to go against Mahomes? I know. I'm looking at the better talent. 49ers can't make mistakes, and their defense has to show up. It has to show up. Can't show up for third. You can't play. If you're San Francisco, you cannot play like you did in that Detroit game. Kansas City will run you off the field. You cannot do that. Okay? I'm looking. Hey, I, Brock Purdy wins this game. Brock Purdy will be the most accomplished quarterback in the NFC if he wins this game. Two NFC championship appearances, the Super Bowl, 
potential Super Bowl MVP, was in the conversation this year for most valuable player, and it'll be 5-1 and one in the postseason. There'll be no more things to be said about Brock Purdy. All the narratives go away. They go away. With one win in Brock Purdy's resume, Brock Purdy could do as much for himself and his resume as Patrick Mahomes can do for his growing legacy. You see, we're talking about resume versus legacy here. He's going to add or subtract to his legacy, Patrick Mahomes. Brock Purdy is building a resume to get the legacy. In two years, he could be one of the most accomplished quarterbacks since Tom Brady in two years of play. That's saying a lot. What quarterbacks do you know have gotten to two conference championship games as starting quarterbacks in their first two years? Can you name me one? I mean, can you name me one? And Mahomes? Wow. That's quite a legacy that you're starting to build. Mahomes? You see the names you're mentioning? Okay. You started talking about Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers with one win and a bag of money around the corner. Okay? See Slagger here? He has no respect for legacy and one's resume. He thinks it's kissing someone's ass when someone does something great. Why would anyone think that? Don't you reward and root? Or are you one of those assholes who sit back and go like this? Well, man, kissing his ass. Well, wouldn't you kiss the ass of somebody who got the two conference title games and won a Super Bowl for you in your second year starting if he was in your city? Makes no sense to me when people talk like that. You see, I have no, you know, it was funny. I was just telling Tone this. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a passion for the Eagles. I cover them. You do. I have more of a passion for the Eagle fans and your community than I do your team. That's why I can objectively look at it. You can't, no disrespect. And I love you to death tone. And you know that, but at times when you have that kind of love for something, you're impartial to some things when it comes to not going all the way there. Because you know why? You have a great love. That's nothing wrong with it. But I'm impervious to that. I don't, I don't give a shit about it. That's why I cover your team the way I do. You may not like some of the words I use. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And that's why I cover your football team and that's why your players reach out to me your players reach out to me you know why they reach out to me because they speak truth i got a guy reaching out to me that's on your team i didn't reach out to him 
I'm not looking to be buddies with anybody on your team. I think that sometimes clouds it. Reggie goes, do they what? What are you talking about, Reggie? Do they, though? Reggie, I just showed you. Britton Covey reaching out to me. And wants to talk to me at 4 o'clock Pacific time. I just showed you the DM. Darius Slay. I'm showing tone to Darius Slay comments. He reached out to me too. Clint Hurt is a dear friend of mine, your D-line coach. Again, this is not about backslapping. This is also a testament to you who come here every day. You understand that. This is a testament to you also. That not only do you come here, the players come here, and the coaches come here, and the front office people come here. Angelo comes here. Des goes, I didn't see any DM. Des, you can rewatch the show later. I'm not doing something just for you. You missed it then. So let me get into the comment here. I'm not going to kill Britton Covey for his comments that he made on somebody's show. What I am going to do is kill the Eagles for bringing back the, the coach when everyone knows now he lost complete control of his football team. I have never in my life seen anything like it. And I got on the show the other day with Bill Calarulo, and Bill was fighting for Nick Sirianni. And you had a player on Radio Row, Super Bowl week, saying that there was a disconnect between the players and coaches. And basically, if you read through the tea leaves, nobody could stop it. And you brought him back. Why? Why? Explain that to me. Why? Why? Now I know why Cliff Kingsbury didn't get the job. All of this now makes sense. They don't want to win a Super Bowl. Not at a coach's wishes. This makes more sense why you fired Doug Peterson. This all stems to that. This stinks. People in that building can't do their job because they're not allowed to finish the job. Do they hire quality guys? Yes. Do they bring in good people? Yes. Do they do a fabulous job at cap manipulation, contracts? Yes. But you know what you don't do? You don't let people who you hire finish the job that you hired them to do. And that's why you fall short. You'll never win a Super Bowl. And Jalen Hurts will never live up to the ability that he has as long as that ass clown 
is your head coach. You're hurting him. You're destroying Jalen Hurts the same way you're destroying or you destroyed Carson Wentz. Just different. Both players are different. Yep. Same result. Can't get out of the way. You can't get out of the way. What a shame. Oof. So let's let's do this. Do you really believe that Nick Sirianni in 2024, what does he have to do to win back respect in the locker room? I I, I agree with you. I'm awake or you. I'm with you on that. Okay? But here's the difference. I'm awake or you is right. Carson destroyed himself. Yes. Carson didn't have the talent around him offensively that Hurts has. He had none of that. The year he threw for 4,000 yards, there wasn't a guy. What was What was the number? Who didn't have over 500 yards receiving on the whole entire team. And he still got it done by throwing for four grand. He's he never had the talent. Hertz has the talent, the old line. He's got all of that. That's what's troubling here. You know what? He doesn't have leadership around him. This is the problem. This is more detrimental because you're helping the kid, and you should. You should have did this for Wentz. But okay, that's past. But let's not repeat the past. Alshon Jeffries, are you crazy? That guy was kind of good. Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz, great tight end. Dallas Goddard, kind of a good tight end too. Aguilar and Alshon Jeffries versus Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Don't embarrass yourself, Gerard, or Jared. Don't embarrass yourself. You're trying to tell me Alshon Jeffries and Eslin Aguilar versus Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Really? Give me a break, dude. Not in the same room. Okay? Your condescending tone when you're hype. Dude, get over yourself. Be a man. You don't like anybody talking to you like that? Grow up, slagger. Soft-ass snowflake. Oh, I don't like anybody talking to me like that. Because you're a snowflake. That's the day. Hey, hopefully, you get a guy in the room... That's right. There's no better combo you've ever had in team history than AJ and Devontae. Absolutely. You've never had anything like it. Nothing like it. Okay? Yes, sir. That's it, Slagger. Hang in there, kid. 
Hang in there, brother. Don't worry about it, big boy. Just sit back and listen. You'll be all right, candy ass. I like that candy ass game. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Here's Alshon Jeffries, too. You know why I hate that dude? Psst, psst, psst. I like Nicky Foles, but Carson Wentz is a stupid guy. He's no good. Hey, dude, you're paid to catch the ball, not be a clubhouse politician. Catch the football, kid. Once you try to do that. Oh, wait a minute. You dropped it in New Orleans. Good job, kid. Hey, you know what? I'll always look at that guy and go, pfft. If you love your boy so much, you better catch that football in New Orleans. Oh, you couldn't? Oh, okay. How you doing, bro? All you had to do is make that catch. Think about this. If Alshon Jeffries makes that catch, he sends Wentz on the trade block. If he loved his boy so much, you'd be in your second NFC championship game and Wentz would be traded. Them clubhouse politicians, you always love them when they fail. Yeah. Uh, uh, hey, Flexen, he catches that football, it's Foles' team. Okay? He does, man. Let me get back to your boy, Spider Rico Sirianni. Damn, dude. Is there anything Sirianni can do to win his team back? Win? Okay, let's see. They won 11 games. Is there anything he can do to win his team back? What can he do? According to everybody, he lost the entire locker room in the second half of the season. Is there anything he can do? Okay? Anything he can do. To win his team back. Anything. Like, what are you doing in the offseason here? What are you trying to accomplish? To win your... I don't know. To win your men back. If you can't answer this question. And if you can't answer this question. Guess what? Why did you bring them back? God dang it. The Eagles have imploded by allowing this guy to stay. This is a cancer. This is a cancer. You fired everybody, brought in all new except the cancer. So when shit goes sideways this year, and it will, who are the players going to again? Do you understand? Do you guys understand what I'm saying after listening to Britton Covey talk? You don't have a problem solver in the building. When shit goes bad, and it does always, This is why you can't win. I'm sorry, guys. Jalen Hurts winning a Super Bowl? Changing Jalen Hurts the way they want him to look? No leadership in the locker room? That's how I see it. 
But you know what? If you listen to some people in Philly on them sports talk radio stations, some people even on my own channel, you would say everything is kumbaya and I love everything the way it looks. And you go like this. What are you looking at? It's funny, man. You know, when, when people ask me a question about Sirianni coming back, I'm like, why? 667. Dude, 667. He's a byproduct of what's been here and a great roster that you had in 22. That's it. He's not a byproduct. He didn't bring a culture in. You think Nick Sirianni added anything to the culture of the Eagles? No. From where? Indianapolis? Where did Sirianni get a culture? Did you ever ask yourself that? You know, Nick sets the tone, and you'll hear it even on my post-game show sometimes. You'll hear it on the post-game show. You know, Sirianni sets the culture. No, he doesn't. Sets the culture. Ask Britton Covey that. Sets the culture. The culture was a nuclear meltdown from week eight on. Sets the culture. What culture? This guy's a front runner. Damn, dude. It's, it, you know what? Now that shit's coming out. Now that stuff is coming out. This was a absolute internal meltdown. And it didn't need to be. But you didn't have any strength in the locker room. This is the fundamental flaw that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman have when you have control of the assistants and also the head coaches. Can I tell you why there's a massive shift? And you know what? Remember when I told you guys this? There's either going to be a pivot or they're going to stay the course. I think they've pivoted. You know why? These assistant coaches, they've basically hired two new head coaches. And I think Vic doesn't really care who the assistants are. I think he kind of cares because there's a lot of experience. But the offensive guys are still being run by the front office. You think Kellen Moore's hiring all these assistant coaches? Kingsbury wanted to. They didn't want to let him. But they're going more experience instead of nobodies. They went two years in a row with nobodies. Nobody knew who Shane Steichen was or nobody knew who Jonathan Gannon was. Go back to you guys talking about when those guys were initially hired as coordinators. Who are these guys? Turned out to be pretty good. Well, the following year turned out to be awful. Look at the dynamic that you had. Two good hires, two horrible hires. Result in what? I'm still not sure if you're a good hire guy when it comes to coordinators. I mean, I think the offense is still run by the front office because you know why? They don't want Jalen Hurts to be 22 Jalen Hurts. Let me ask you this. Lamar Jackson won the MVP last night. He is the youngest man to win two MVPs. Hey, dude, you're two and four in the postseason. You're now turning into James Harden. I mean, you're great in a regular season. 
you're going to put up a lot of points. You're going to win scoring titles. You're going to win an MVP. You're going to look great. You look like Russell Westbrook. Get in the postseason, you don't do shit. I mean, he's Russell Westbrook. Am I wrong? When you're two and four in the postseason, you're Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Are you not? Freaking Brock Purdy's five and one or four and one. You gotta win, dude. You're 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 two and four. I don't care how many regular season most valuable play. Hey, you want to hear this? Aaron Rodgers has more MVPs in a regular season than Tom Brady. Congratulations to you, Aaron. I guess. I guess. This is about winning championships, not about going 667 in three straight years in the playoffs and having a better win percentage than Dick Vermeil. And trying to sit here like assholes telling me that Nick Sirianni's a better coach because he has a better record than Dick Vermeil and Doug Peterson. That's not how it's looked at. Doug Peterson is a problem solver. And you guys are like this. Well, Sills, you know, the Jacks kind of melted down. Yeah, their quarterback had a shoulder injury the last month and a half of the season. And let's not take out of context here. It's Jacksonville. Jacksonville, who traditionally picks at the top of the draft for decades. It's Jacksonville. That's why I give a guy like Joe Burrow insane kudos for not wanting to not play in Cincinnati. Cincinnati and Jacksonville are better than Miami and the Raiders. And when I was young, those two teams were the gold standard and Pittsburgh. Cincinnati and Jacksonville are just as good as Pittsburgh since when? Because of coaching. You got to love people saying Lawrence is a fraud. I'd worry about Hurts first before I'd start calling anybody a fraud. And remember, when you go into the AFC, you have to go through the gauntlet of quarterbacks. There ain't no gauntlet of quarterbacks in the NFC. You got overachievers in the NFC at quarterback. Purdy, Jalen, Dak, Cousins. All those guys. Golf, who was fired in LA. Albeit a first pick. That means a lot, for sure. But the majority of the quarterbacks in the NFC are overachievers. I mean, think about it. That's right. You keep the 667. According to some, and according to some who keep bringing that up, you know, uh, Sirianni's a better coach than Belichick. Okay? Stafford... I like, um, hey, Morrow, Stafford has an under five. Uh, let, let me take a look at that. That's a good one, because you know what? 
Everyone always brings up Stafford. Let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at that for a second. Matthew Stafford stats. Let me see something here. Matthew Stafford's one loss and what his one loss record is. As a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's 98 and 107 and one. Yeah, that's some dude. He's 98 wins, 107 losses, and a tie. Yeah, he's lived up to it. Still, he won a Super Bowl. I know. So did the great Joe Flacco. So did Brad Johnson. So did Trent Dilfer. Let's be careful here before you start talking about greatness. I think he spins the ball great. I I, I'm a fan of Stafford. I like him. But let's not get crazy. He's not a Hall of Fame player. Hall of Fame players don't have 98 and 107 and one wins. One loss record. I mean, let's not get crazy here. 98 wins, 107 losses, and one tie. Are you putting that in the Hall of Fame? Are you? Hey. Is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? Is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? He's a Hall of Famer. No, he's not. No, he's not. Easily. He's won 98 games and lost 107. How in the world are you saying he's a Hall of Famer when he's lost more games than won? He, he, no quarterback goes into the Hall of Fame with an under 500 record except Namath. That's it. He has a ring. Congratulations. Things can be misleading is my point here. Okay, he'll be considered. No, he won't. I'd, I'd put Phil Sims in. <clears throat> I'd put Phil Sims in. The basis of an Hall of Fame quarterback is to win more than you lose. Is Nick Foles a Hall of Famer? No, but Nick Foles had a Hall of Fame moment. And maybe one of the greatest moments of all time. Stafford's better than Namath? Really? So you think, Greasy, if Namath played with the rules of today, where you couldn't mug wide receivers and you couldn't hit the quarterback and Namath wouldn't have the catastrophic injuries that he had in his career because you could beat the shit out of them. You think Namath wouldn't flourish? Namath would throw for 10,000 yards today. He was the first quarterback to throw for four grand. That record held up until the 90s or until the 80s. I think Fouts broke it. That thing held up for like 30 years. That record held up. Nobody threw for 4,000 yards. Namath did. He was the first. Then Marino threw for five grand in a 14-game schedule. Mind you. Namath had a low percentage. Tone, Tone always brings that great stat up. 
okay? You got to go to the era. Harder to complete. Pa- hey, when you can mug a white, get this. You see why people, hey, Greasy, was low percentage. Greasy, do you think you have a better chance of completing a pass in 1969 or 1970 when you can hang all over a dude up and down the field? Or in today's game where you can't touch him, pass interference is called at a regular basis, and you can't touch him for the first five yards off the line of scrimmage. Do you think it's easier to complete passes today? So you're telling me Baker Mayfield is better than Namath because he had a better completion percentage in today's NFL. Fair assessment. Okay. It's hard to do that, though. Let me get back on topic here. My problem with with Jalen Hurts right now is not with Jalen Hurts. It's with the people around him. Man, how could you go from the 22 year by doing everything so right? And so far since that Super Bowl in Arizona, you have done nothing right. Hey, give me a positive. What has the organization done right since that game in February where they lose by three points to Kansas City? What is drafting a Jalen Carter? Drafting a Jalen Carter. Absolutely. Trading for DeAndre Swift? Look. I don't really think he brought enough to the team. I thought he was okay. Okay? That's right, Barb. The Lamar Jackson way doesn't win Super Bowls. No, well, no, no, Barb. Well, then what'd you pay for? 47 attempts? They got to that AFC title game because of the way he played with his legs also. How many yards did Lamar Jackson throw for? 3,100? You think he got to a 14-win season because he threw the ball? They didn't have a 1,000-yard receiver. They completely went and played Jalen Hurts 2023 football in that AFC title game. Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, if they're going to win a Super Bowl, they've got to win a Super Bowl playing the style that they played all year for Lamar and Hurts in 22. Because that's who those two dudes are. They're not drop-back guys that are just going to win from the pocket. You limit yourself. And you limit the ability that got you the 50 million. You're not paid because you're a passer. You're paid because you're electric. I don't like the 23 version of Hertz. You know, it's funny. Tony and I last year, and until I heard Dick Vermeil talking on WIP, Dick Vermeil says it all the time. Why are they limiting him in running? You run that guy as much as you possibly can. Don't take one of his greatest assets 
and maybe his greatest asset away from him. He gets hurt, he gets hurt. It's what it is. That's his style of play. Hey, get this. Steve Young, if you add it all up, how many years did Steve Young start for the 49ers? What was it, nine? I think there's like a 17-year career. But if you look at it, Steve Young ended his career. Do you guys remember why Steve Young ended his career? Do you know why he ended it? It was concussions that knocked Young out of the game because he started acquiring these concussions at the end of his career because of his dual threat that he had. Steve Young won a Super Bowl because of dual threat. Steve Young got to the Super Bowl because of dual threat. He wasn't Joe Montana. He wasn't just going to sit back there and pick teams apart. And get this, Bill Walsh knew that. They had designed run plays. You guys remember that run he had against Minnesota where he went for 48 yards or 54 yards, that scant that he had in a playoff game, that he ran it in? It was one of the most electric playoff runs of all time. He looked like Kaepernick. And this guy had the highest completion percentage of any quarterback of all time when he retired. Okay? Flexing goes, that's not going to work. He won a Super Bowl. He's in the Hall of Fame. What do you mean it's not going to work? It did work. You guys are more concerned about Hurts playing 15 years. I don't care if Hurts plays 15 years. I could care less, and so should you not care. You play nine years, you deliver two Super Bowls, you end up having a catastrophic injury, you'll leave Philly a legend. This is about Super Bowls, not about length of career. Steve Young's total career starts amount to a nine-year career. Total starts in San Francisco alone amounted to a seven-year career. This guy had a seven-year career. And get this. That's a, a tone. That's kind of where I got it from with Hurts. Having a dual-threat quarterback and taking half of his game away is basically asking him to play with one arm tied behind your back. Do you guys understand? Remember what I used to tell you about high ceiling for dual-threat guys? Lamar Jackson doesn't have a high ceiling. Well, maybe they're trying to do that, but he doesn't have a high ceiling. The only reason that I think that guy in Buffalo may have a high ceiling is because he's 6'6". Okay? It's maybe the only reason he does playing that style of football. Hertz doesn't have a long career, but what they're doing is they're coddling him and protecting him to try to have one and try to have him as the face. He's never going to win that way. No, I'll take that back. He's going to win, but not it. Seals, he got close, right, playing his style of football. This year, you didn't get close. You were, in theory, never close. His style of play this year, you were never close. Yeah, but 10 and 2. 17 games and a catastrophe meltdown at the end of the year. You were never close. Tell the truth. You were never close. That's for them to be thinking this. And then you bring the coach back. Let me make my position clear as well. The last thing I want to do is neuter Jalen Hurts. I want him to play his game. But what I also want for him to improve as a passer, and I believe that is possible. Okay, well, that don't let that be the centerpiece, though. 
improving as a passer. And I know I, I get what you're saying, Tone. But what I'm what I'm what I'm telling you is okay, improving as a passer. Mahomes is still improving as a passer. He's improving reading defenses. Okay? Brady worked on his game all the time. That can't be the centerpiece. It can't be this. Well, I want him to stop running and let's work on his passing. You're taking steps backwards that way, which he did. Don't you understand that's why he took steps backwards? Because he wasn't the dual threat threat. He took a step backwards this year because they're trying to make him into something he's not. Instead of letting him continue running and bringing the passing, they're rushing this process, I guess is what I'm saying. They're completely rushing the process. Josh Allen needs two receivers. Stefan Diggs did shit up there this year. And the rest of those guys were okay. Gabe Davis and them guys. You know, I mean, there were times this season that Stefan Diggs, I watched him in football games. He was completely a non-factor. I think he's overpaid. And no wonder June Wonder going to move on from him. They're $44 million in the hole. He's not on that team. Unless there's some type of restructure, which I don't know he's worth it. I mean, if I'm the Buffalo Bills, I might want to go into the draft the same way Green Bay did and get me some wide receivers and go cheaper down there and try to get myself for my quarterback an opportunity to have some younger players and develop some younger players. I think these big-time wide receivers are overhyped and overrated. You're going to pay C.D. Lamp $30 million. And you're not going to have another guy on your roster because the Cowboys are $14 million in the hole. What's the point of paying C.D. Lamb that money when I could get two quality guys and I could move the chains and win it? Why, why would I do that? You got to pay my quarterback 50. I got, I, you know, these teams are not going to be cap smart like the Eagles are. There's kudos to Howie, but they're not going to be cap smart because the owners don't want to give the money up front to players. That's the problem here. And, and I'll tell you what, it, it, it's kudos to Jeffrey Lurie. Jeffrey Lurie went like this. Here, Jalen. You know what he basically did? Here, Jalen. Here's $50 million. You could pay me back in time. Instead of doing this, hey, here's some money here. I'll get you on the back end of your contract. I'll get. That's why when teams get to that backside of that contract, they cut players. That was always the way. You sign a $3 million contract, it starts out with $250,000. I'm talking my time. Based and 300, then 400. And you know what owners would do? By the time you got to your third year, they cut you and you didn't get the fourth year, fifth year money. So they were never obligated to pay you. They always stuck it to the players that way. What Jeffrey Laurie did was here, here's 50 million. You could pay me back with your performance. And then when you turn into performance like 23, you got to do this shit. Well, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. How to get my return on investment here. Okay. To be good team, you need an all pro at every position. Like what? The Patriots? 
on offense? Hey, during the Brady time, won Super Bowls. Name me one Pro Bowler. As an offensive skilled guy outside of Brady. Gronk and who? And please, no Moss. Okay, Gronk. Name me a Pro Bowl wide receiver in Kansas City. Name me, name me one. Kansas City. Can't. All right. God, we have a lot to hit on here. Um, I'm just taken by the fact that you have, you have players coming out now that are just completely against this. He's got a lot of work to do, in my opinion. He does. All right. Hit the like button. Hour number two, don't forget, Tone is going to join us at 3.30. We will talk to Philly Godfather. By the way, he's at Radio Row there in Vegas. We will talk to our friend. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, 
Then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Would you agree that Nick Sirianni's not just coaching for his job, he's coaching for his NFL life? this coming season. He's not just he's not just coaching for his ability to stay as a head coach. But I think he's also coaching for opportunities down the line of whether or not he's going to be a coach that will get another opportunity. Remember something, white coaches get opportunities again, especially ones that have had some type of success. And sometimes even ones with no success like Josh McDaniels. So to me, he's coaching for his NFL life. Okay? But tell I mean, he's got to show this year that he has a problem solver. Okay? That he's a problem solver here. <clears throat> and he's got to show everyone this year that he could take that team and right the ship, unlike what happened at the end of the Doug Peterson. You know, someone asked me this last night. They're like, this, Sills, can he turn this around? And it's a great question. I don't think he can because here's the most important. Do we not agree? Wait, here. Do you think Nick can turn this around? And I answer this to you. Does he have control of turning it around? Does he have control of it? And I, it by meaning the situation. Does he have control of the situation? I don't think he does. I mean, I don't think he has control of it. Boy, man, that Britton Covey comments are so detrimental today. They absolutely accentuate every single thing that people thought about the team, about the way the team was run. My God. I, I, you know, when I, I went and I listened to him three or four times, and I listened to that conversation. And, and Barb goes, why are we wasting time with Sirianni? He's not in control. He's a yes man. Barb, what are you talking about? Why are you wasting your time talking about how, uh, Nick? Because Nick's your centerpiece head coach. My goodness. You've got as you've got an incompetent head coach running your football team. 
and you the Eagles won't answer why they brought him back because they have confidence in him. Do these recent hires and assistant coaches show any confidence? The comments by Britton Covey, does that show confidence? What are they talking about? Senior asks a great question. Why did you not say anything about Bill Belichick being fired? Well, at the end of the day, Bill Belichick doesn't need anybody to say anything about him. Because at the end of the day, senor, when Bill Belichick's name is brought up at the Hall of Fame conversation, someone's going to stand up and go, Bill Belichick, and sit down. And personally, Bill Belichick was offered the Atlanta job, and he didn't think it was in the best interest to take the job. Mike Florio now is also reporting that. Not just Boomer Sison. He was offered the job. He said, nah, that's all right. Because he's got three years of Bob Kraft money still rolling in at $18 million or $20 million, whatever it is. Bill doesn't need that. I mean, Bill Belichick, Nick Sirianni. Why would you even bring Bill Belichick's name up? You don't have to have a conversation about Bill Belichick in anything. He's the greatest football coach in the history of National Football League. And he worked it during the salary cap era. He developed the greatest quarterback of all time. And let's not forget one other thing. He also developed the greatest defensive football player of all time, Lawrence Taylor. You actually think there's any coincidence to that? Do you think there's any coincidence that Belichick developed the two greatest players on both sides of the football? You think there's any coincidence in that? None of Bill's coaches have had success. So? Tony Dungy's won one Super Bowl, and he's had really good coaches' success. Bill Belichick's not hiring coaches to go become successful coaches somewhere else as head coaches. When you're hired by a head coach like Bill Belichick, you're hired to be the offensive coordinator not a future NFL head coach. When you're hired as the wide receiver coach in New England, you're hired as the wide receiver coach. If you happen to get an opportunity to become a head coach, that's a you thing. It has no bearing on his tree of who's had success and who's not had success. Who cares? Here, I'll make this point to you then. Has Bill, Be has Bill Parcells ever won a Super Bowl without – Bill Belichick being his defensive coordinator? No. So is Parcells? Does he have to be does he have to be in a relationship with Belichick to win Super Bowls? Sure seems it. Belichick didn't win a Super Bowl with him on his coaching staff. Just saying, I mean, you want to you want to play that game. What's what's Parcells? What's Parcells without Belichick? Nothing. Okay. He's it's he's nothing here. That's what I say. Hey, 
by the way, you know, and, and, and I've heard the guys before me talking about this, about Howie being involved in all this as well. And I'll, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say this to you guys. There's no question that, in my opinion this year, that there has to be some sort of conversation, if you're Jeffrey Lurie, where you have to do this now. You have got to. You have got to redefine Howie Roseman's job title when it comes to his significance in the draft. He can't run the draft. I don't know why they're still going down that line. Why can't they departmentalize that and take the draft away from him where someone is more and name him the president of the team of operations? That's fine where he has say, but he cannot have say in the draft. You have got to hire a college Director of personnel that knows what he's doing. This guy does not. Do you understand? Get this. Do we not agree? Howie Roseman would be a better general manager if they hit more. How about this? 5% more on their draft picks is all they need. And do you know the financial latitude they'll get if they hit just on 5% more? Of their high-end picks, he would be the best general manager, and I think that would result in a Super Bowl. If you're the owner, why wouldn't you want to help him instead of allowing him to keep going down that rabbit hole? Well, if we can't draft him, we'll just throw money at it. That's not how you sustain Jeff Kerr again. That's not how you sustain winning football. Okay. What makes Twiz goes, what makes you think it's Howie and not the analytics department? Howie oversees all of it. Dude, Howie Roseman runs everything. Would you hire Pete Carroll as a college evaluator? Pete Carroll's not taking that job, but I like where you're going. That's right, Barb. The small difference between winning and losing. You know that conversation we had yesterday about Patrick Sertain? Some of you don't follow along and understand it. That's okay because, you know, you look at everything from the macro instead of the micro and how you're supposed to build a football team. And some of you don't get it. But that's okay. Three things have to line up. Money, performance, and rookie contract. It's not just about missing on a player. I tried explaining that for the last three years, and some of you just don't get it. Like the Nolan Smith pick. How about this? Let's do the Nicobe, let's do the Nicobe Dean pick. How detrimental do you think the Nicobe, Nicobe Dean pick is going to be? How, how much of a detrimental pick do you think that'll be? Let's just and, and then I'll, I'll use the Nolan Smith one. How, how, those two picks, how much – let's do them both together, Nicobe Dean and Nolan Smith. How detrimental will those picks be if those two guys don't pan out? How much do you think that will hurt the team? Sometimes you got to lose a battle to win a war. That's right. I agree. 
here's how that here's how that works. Okay. Howie has all the infinity stones. Callie Green. Um again, I think you're just one of those dudes that just likes to see the world burn because you make no sense. There's no reasoning with you or having conversation with you sometimes because most of the time you're just one of those dudes, just like Alfred says in Batman, you just like to see the world burn because you don't get it. So there's no really having a conversation with you on that. Okay. You'll just talk shit no matter what it is to defend your guy. And there's no real conversation with it with you. So I'm really not going to go there with it. Okay, kid? You'd just like to see the world burn down. you just a guy who doesn't care what reasoning is. Okay? Here's why the Nolan Smith and the Kobe Dean deal, okay, is going to be detrimental. It's a third-round pick, right? Fred Warner's a third-round pick. Look what Fred Warner gave the 49ers. Okay? Look at what Fred Warner gave. That's a great win there too, Gabe. Look at what Brian Branch gives the Lions at safety for the next three years with an option in money, production, playing on a playoff team. With N'Kobe Dean, you started him. You're finding out he's not really going to be the guy. Kind of. You're leaning that way now, okay? You're going to lose the pick. You got to go find a linebacker in free agency. Let me show you this. Hey, hey, Tone, am I right when I say this? So last year they spent money on Nicholas Morrow. Not a lot. They spent money on Shaq Leonard. Who else did they bring in? So you spent money on those two dudes. What's the other guy? Zach Cunningham. Okay. About seven million bucks for the for the whole three of them. About seven million bucks. Okay. Does that sound about right? About seven million? Does Bradbury counts since it was a resigning? No, no, I'm just talking about the backers. I'm just talking about the backers. About seven million, would you just say for Morrow they paid? Morrow, Shaq Leonard, and with Zach Cunningham, with salaries and all. Would, would, would that be right, Tone? Does that sound about right? Seven million bucks? Okay, so you spent seven million bucks. The guy that you let loose was making seven, got a seven million dollar or six and a half million dollar offer from Chicago. Okay. So a productive dude who was like third in tackles in the NFL last year, and you had a guy in a draft pick in the Kobe Dean who didn't play for you. So you threw seven extra million dollars to try to cover one linebacker spot at Mike. Now I know Zach played outside too. And they moved Barrett, but 
they all had a shot at the title at Mike. So you paid $7 million in linebackers to try to cover for your mistake of N'Kobe Dean. You lose the pick, you lose the player's performance, and you're throwing money. You're going to have to spend another $14 million or $7 million, which is going to come to $14 million in two years for a player you drafted in the third round who you could have been paying on a rookie contract who you drafted in the third round at $1.5 million. That's how you lose it. I mean, think of that. So the money you're going to spend in the last two years, you're going to have to spend another $14 million at linebacker. You're going to spend another $30 million potentially at corner. And these are guys that you could have drafted. That's almost $50 million. How are you building a team when you, don't, when you keep missing like that? It's not doesn't make sense. Look at the job John Lynch has done. Hey, my opinion, John Lynch is a better GM than Howie Roseman. You know why? He's better drafter and he's better with the cap. Sills, he missed on Trey Lance. Agreed. Agreed. But look at his roster. His roster's not going away. And they're still under the cap with all those money, with all that money. They'll restructure contracts. They'll probably go to Boza, restructure it. Purdy's not making any money. And they're going to continue to draft well. They draft well. Okay? Brock Purdy, get this. The three first-round picks that San Francisco lost in that Trey Lance deal. Okay? Catastrophic. But the money they save? for the next three years, is worth the loss of the three ones. I'd rather lose the three ones than have to pay $150 million in salary. Wouldn't you? How are you paying for Boza and Debo and Christian McCaffrey? Do you understand that what you do when you hit on your picks, the chances of you keeping Debo and Christian McCaffrey, it's extended. Look at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are $14 million. This may be a little bit over your head. Like somebody like Callie Green, this is probably way over his head, you know, because he's used to playing Monopoly and shit. So this stuff is way over his head. So I don't want to get too psycho here because I know that sometimes when we're talking numbers, we got to talk like in pennies and we got to carry the two. And I know algebra is probably not a strong suit of yours, dude. If you subtract Reddick and Nolan Smith, the entire Eagles linebacker room cost the Eagles $4.9 million against the cap. They are so cheap, it's insulting to us fans. In 23, you spend $5 million bucks on garbage. Okay? You spend $5 million bucks on garbage that got you killed. Okay? Dude, no, 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 kid. It's not about being a capologist. Here, let me hook you up, Callie. Let me help. Let me hook you up. It's called adding and subtracting. You know, adding. You know, and subtracting. Very simple. Oh, maybe for some. Yeah, I don't want to bend you over there like that a little bit, but 
not sure, you know, you know, homeschooling Callie. I don't know, man. You might want to ask your cousin who was teaching you or something. Homeschooling sometimes is not the best thing when you're using pixie sticks to kind of get through your adding and subtracting. Okay. Homeschooling, kid. I don't know. <laughs> and so, you know, just trying to help you. By the way, calculator. Capologist is overrated. Every team gets some cap. It's about it's um Iron Man. I think it's about I think that thing that the Eagles have done with Jalen Hurts' contract is brilliant. Okay? Yeah, because Howie has cap problems every year. No. Yes, he does. See right here? Callie Green is going like this because Howie has – he's being facetious. He does. He's got cap problems every year. Every year he has massive cap problems. He does. You know why? Look at your defense. Garbage safeties. Garbage linebackers. And rent a corner. Spend no money on that. You know, that's a really good um, exercise that I'm going to do. I wonder how much money they spend in salaries on defense compared to how much they spend on offense. I, I, I like that. 50 million quarterback. I'm just doing salaries, not cap hits. 25 receiver, 75. How much do you think Devontae makes? A million, that's 76. Tight end makes 12. That's 80. It's 88. Left tackle makes 12. That's 110. Right tackle makes 16. That's 126. The center makes 10. That's 136. Left guard makes four. That's 140. Um, running back probably makes a million, a two million, 142. So you basically have about 145 million dollars of your 224 million dollar salary cap last year. 142 million dollars is on one side of the ball. Well, can't do that because Jalen didn't make that money last year. So this year, we'll go to 242 cap. You got $100 million on the other side of the football, it seems. That's not counting your backups on offense either. Probably have $150 million lined up on your offense. Very simple, dude. You spend no money on, on defense. I mean, the highest paid guys are Fletcher, Corners, and Reddick. And Sweat. And sweat. Damn. Damn, it toned the, the, the chats out, so I could I can't get that number that you're you're you posted down there. So 
I'd like to know what you said there. When it comes to annual salaries in 23, the Eagles spent $172 million on offense, $121.2 on defense. That's a $51 million difference. And that's before you pay the quarterback. Next year, that number changes in salaries now. Again, not talking cap hits. That number goes and changes big time. You could do a lot with 51 million. Yeah, you could have re-signed, you could have re-signed your linebacker, and you could have re-signed CJ Garner. Right. You could have brought back Gardner Johnson. And you could have you could have re-signed Gar- um, T.J. Edwards, two dudes you massively missed on defense, especially when it came to your turnover takeaway issues. Matt, I'm with you. I thought it was more. I I, I thought it was higher. I did, dude. I thought it was higher. The, you know, I, I I thought it was a little more above 51. I did. I thought it was a little bit higher here. Sills, when does Slay's contract end? I think he's entering his final season, if I'm not mistaken. I think Slay's got this last – I think it was last year, this year coming up, and I think there's a team option that they have. Um, I think he's got this year. I don't think it was a three-year deal. I thought it was a two-year and option deal that you had with that. Man. I can't get over this Britton Covey conversation that he had on radio. Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Let's bring my guy Tone in. The segment. I love talking to him. Big sales. <clears throat> hey, so what's Slay's deal? Uh, I, let, let me pull it up for you real quick. Also, uh, while I'm doing that, I want to reflect on what uh, what our guy Matt said. He said, Damn, it felt like a hundred million. He felt like it, it felt like did. I it thought did. it was more like a hundred. But guess what? You want to know why? That just that tells you they're overpaying for crap play. They're overpaying. But let me pull up Slay's contract real quick for you. So, nonetheless, when it comes to Darius Slay, all right, <clears throat> Darius Slay's contract. So, Darius Slay will be an unrestricted free agent in 2026. So. From a, from a financial standpoint, you're stuck with him for you're stuck with him in this year coming and 2025. Now, here's the thing: his de- his cap hits. I mean, I'm sorry, his dead cap hits are so harsh. This year, his dead cap hit is 35 million. In 2025, the final year of his deal, the dead cap hit is 24.1 million. You want me to tell you what I found out about that through Rosenhaus's people? There's four canes that work in that building that are friends of mine at work with Drew. Guess why they loaded up the cap hits like that? For Slay? For Slay. Uh-oh. You're going to – this is what makes Rosenhaus – He's a shark. The, this He's is what shark, makes man. him a shark. You ready? I don't think I, I, don't think I am. Okay. Well, you better because <laughs> – One of the guys I played with that's in his office too. So he'll come to him – and they took less money. You know what he did? Okay. What they did was they backloaded the contract. Oh, well, they front-loaded the contract with the cash 
But Drew was smart to have high cap hits. Why? He'll never get another contract, the one he's in right now. They're taking full advantage of the Eagles not being good on defense in drafting and not being able to understand that side of the football when it comes to drafting and getting what we've been talking about for months, about the rookie latitude you get. They throw money after money, so you know what they're going to do to him? Drew Rosenhaus this offseason here, after the Super Bowl, will go to Howie Roseman, and you know what they'll say? Sure, we'll renegotiate, and we'll lower the cap hits, give us another bag of money. That's insane. I'm about to blow your mind now. What do you what do you think Darius Slay's market value is right now? At age 33. What do you think it is? 8 million. <laughs> All right. You said 8 million, right? Yeah. At age 33 today, Darius Slay's market value is 21.4 million. Oh, he's got the Eagles over a barrel. Sure it does. My God almighty, I'm stunned. He's got a $20 million market value. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. if he were to tell the Eagles to pound sand and he were to go on the open market, Darius Slade would be a $20 million corner at 33. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, his average salary right now is $16.6 million. So he'd make between 16 and 20. Yeah, realistically. <clears throat> Eagles have no leverage with him. None. He's Brad here to the guy. He's here to stay. Slay's here, to, here stay. to stay. He's here to stay for two years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He might he might retire an Eagle. <laughs> you know, yeah, what I'm no. By the way, he's had a great Eagle career. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Let me make that clear too. Darius Slay is not a bad player. I just feel like he the age is starting to creep up. That's all. Darius Slay has a $21 million market value. Yep, 21 points. That's easily the most shocking thing I've heard in the entire week. Yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. I, when I saw it, I'm like, this can't be real. So I, I, I refreshed the page. <laughs> yeah. And 21.4 million came back up. Now, what's his, what's his, what's his um, salary going to be in 24? In 24, <clears throat> in 24, his base is going yeah. to be his base is going to be 1.2 million. His signing bonus is going to be 2 million. Uh, there's an option, there's an option for 2.3 million. Uh, they restructured so far, this 5.3 million. So it's in total cash, but in, yeah, it says in yearly cash here, it says uh, 13.1 million in, in yearly cash. That sounds right because they gave him like. 26 didn't they last year a bag of money then yeah, they, they give re- him 26 to restructure yeah they, yeah they restructured him and gave money up front that's basically what they did tone they're not going to touch that contract that contract is they're not touching that app friendly that's even more to our point yeah about finding a way to get certain in this building and offing the bradbury deal they got to find a way to get that deal out the building they got to find a way bradbury's base is what this year James Bradbury's base. James Bradbury's base is right now one point two million. 
That's his base. Damn, how he got those see, base salaries see, how, down. If you if you if you notice on, on all the Eagles contracts, how he found he finds a way to keep their base salaries is extremely low. Be, why? Because the owner, unlike many owners in the league tone, give it front loads, not backloaded contracts. I'd say 99% of the contracts in the NFL are backloaded. Mm-hmm. I'd say the majority of the Philadelphia Eagle contracts, including Hertz's, are front-loaded. And I think that's the smartest thing about them. Me is that, too. That they're willing to bet on players. And I think that's why people, that's why players like getting paid from them. And that's why they overvalue them. Right. That's it, 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 it's, it's funny how all this all, – it always makes sense when you, when you think about the money. It always makes sense. You just got to follow it. Is it isn't it crazy? The money has clarity to it. Of course, it brings course. clarity to it. Wow! They bet on people, and that's why they look at it like this. We can't afford to give up on them yet, because you know we we gave them so much money up front. We gotta we gotta ride them until until that until Dude, that guarantee money's gone. Stones. It does take a lot of stones. They they gamble a lot, but when you think about it from a salary cap standpoint, it, it allows them to keep the the salary cap manageable you know we we'll, we've never seen the philadelphia eagles in a situation like the saints or the bills where they're 80 million no. in a hole 40 no. you, you'll, you'll never see that but you'll it kills them it. when you don't get production from your it corner. kills you when you don't get production it kills you so you're see it, it wasn't just one, well again i think slay was um i think he was a casualty and i think he was a friendly fire casualty of the poor play and the poor execution on defense you know what I would say that Darius Slay was probably as crippled with the defensive scheme as Jalen Hurts was crippled with the offensive passing scheme. Do you think that that's fair? That, you know, Slay may have gotten – I'm not saying that he hasn't lost a step, but I'm saying surely because if you look at his ranking and his grades and shit, they're not horrible. Right, and, you know, when you listen to people talk about him, like his peers, like the receivers that got to go against him and the people that played that, that you know, other corners. Yeah, he's going against WR1. They, you know, they – his peers consider him legitimately still to be a top-ten yeah. corner. Yep. Um, they and, – and, again, they play against him. Another they, Pro Bowl year. They feel like he's one of the better man-to-man guys. If you Again, those are his peers saying that. So yeah. when, when, when guys that actually line up against him say that, I got to listen to it. I got I I got to at least value it, Agreed. right? I, I totally. Totally. Absolutely. All right. Um What do you make of this Britain Covey conversation? And by the way, I, I shared it with Tone um some of the things he was saying to me that he didn't yeah. want to go public and have a public dispute. He wants to talk mm-hmm. to me privately. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, Tone, I'm not I don't give a shit if he's my friend or he's not. Right. Because I don't want anything to cloud my judgment if I have to be critical of anybody. And I, and I respect that about you. And I just, it's not, now look, I respect the fact that he's a player and I come from that angle, not the media angle. Mm-hmm. And so I respect him and I'll always give him the benefit. But to me, this is another situation where he stepped out, he made comments. You know, this is what makes me believe that, you know, the Barrett Brooks comment, okay, well, somebody could miss misunderstake because according to him this was kind of misinterpreted wrong also you can't misinterpret that no we're not doing that this time you can't misunderstand that you're talking about players pointing fingers you're talking about the message from the coaches to the players being miscommunicated there's no confusion about that 
There's there 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 is no cleaning that up. It is what it is. And here's my thing about Brent Covey, right? You know, aside from <coughs> what he's actually saying, here's my thing, Brent Covey, and I mean this with the utmost respect, my man. You're a punt returner. Stay in your lane. <laughs> you're expendable. I don't mean any harm, but you're expendable. Be tread lightly, my friend. I'm pretty sure that Eagles PR group already has you on has you on speed dial right now. Oh yeah. So Charlie, this is like this is number two to strike two, and we got a long off season still. <laughs> so strike three, typically you out. So that's that. But as far as exact, as far as what he said, <clears throat> all it does is add credence to what we already knew, you know. And it also, in my humble opinion, it further it it, it furthers the narrative that Nick Sirianni had no control over this burning ship, none. Like how can like that's why when I hear people say or try to defend Sirianni in a way saying like, no, nah, I don't believe he lost the locker room. I don't believe. It. How can you say that? How can you say that when you hear players talking the way they're talking? How can you say that when you go you go one and seven in your final eight games? We're not talking about a two game skid or a three game skid. Not even a four. We're talking about an eight game skid here. That's half your season, is it not? Yeah. No. My problem with it is too that. You're talking about internal locker room. Internal stuff. That it's between the players. You witnessed it, and then you're speaking of it, which is supposed to be a taboo. Like, if you've got something to say and you see something like that, I can't tell you, Tone, how many times you can be in a locker room and you can see something or hear something or you know something about a particular person's private life because it's in the locker room mm -hmm. that you're not supposed to say anything publicly. And especially with a culture that's in the building, you're supposed to have a public perception that everything is staying focused and we're on the right track and we're in this thing together. When you walk out of line like that, now maybe because of social media and because of the way we are today, and I'm not giving the kid an excuse, you know, back then tone, the only people that you really have were beat reporters. You didn't have any other vehicle. Now, you say something on Radio Row, which to me was, I couldn't believe it. You're in Vegas where the world is right now, mm -hmm. and you're barking about the place melting down like that. I mean, dude, what the hell are you doing, man? Now you're saying your coach had no control. He had no answers. The players and the coaches couldn't connect with one another. Every single thing that we thought, now, I'll say this again about, about Sirianni. Okay, do you actually believe that that guy has control of his own future? He is no way. There's how no do way. you I was have control of you? How can you turn this thing around when you have no control of your own destiny? Yeah, I was I was talking to John McMullen. Um, I think it was yesterday. I think we did a, we did a football twenty four seven. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was yesterday. And um, in so many words, you know, we were discussing the fact that every move they made this off season is a clear indication of your lack of faith in your head coach. How can we sit here and say Nick Sirianni has still has the respect of the locker room, still has the respect in the building when the organization clearly? Has made every move to indicate they've lost faith. They've lost faith. As a matter of fact, if you think about every move they made, even since the Doug Peterson era, right? This this organization, this front office, these guys up top, they're so arrogant, right? And, and this, this is why I say this. They fired a Super Bowl winning head coach, and all it took was for Nick Sirianni to slip up once, 
and they stripped them of everything. That adds more credence to the fact that they believe they're the reason why they win, not the coaches. They they fired these coaches knowing damn well that defense lacked personnel. So that tells me that tells you what they believe the you, you've been saying it all season. They believe the coaches were the issue. Yep. So therefore, they have more faith in their process than guys than than the than than, than the actual coaches. They they, they have, haven't really pivoted. They they really stayed haven't. the course. What they did was gather more control. What they did was they grabbed more control back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They they have completely neutered the head coach. You fired a Super Bowl. You fired a Super Bowl winning head coach. And we're supposed to believe you still have faith in Nick Sirianni. We're supposed to believe he still has some sort of pull in that building. All it took was for him to slip on one. If you really think about Nick, think about Nick Sirianni's era, really. Okay, he started off two and five. But if you really think about Nick Sirianni's time in Philadelphia, he really only slipped up once. He slipped once. And look what happened. It's let's it's let's crazy. let's expand on that. Watch this. Doug was fired because he had four wins. Nick Sirianni was on the chopping block because the way he handled the team. Right, and that back in one and seven. How that – you had a superficial reason to fire Doug. You had an internal reason and a philosophical reason to fire a guy with no matter what he did, you you were going to fire him. There was conversation – Suppose that they were talking to part uh, Belichick, whatever. You had a conversation of something where you were debating about this guy and 667 and three playoff runs had no bearing. No bearing. The only reason that they were able and how he was able to get him out of the building, Doug, which they never gave a chance to turn around. Never. And also, real quick to add to your point, Doug's when you, th- when you think about the Doug situation, not once did we not once did any report or anything come out saying, oh, he lost that locker room. Not once did we think that. We just felt like they underperformed, guys was injured, things, you know, you know, Doug and the highway relationship started to sour. Meltdown. Right. But it was never about Doug losing the people. It was never about ask, that. I need your help. I need your help on this. Okay. At the end of the Peterson run, right, was there a lot of conversation about the GM versus the coach? Yes, but there was also conversations about Doug versus Carson too. There was conversations about that. You know, the rumor was Doug and Carson haven't, you know, didn't speak most of that season. That was the rumor. But I had a hard time believing that a head coach not speaking to the quarterback all I'm year. I'm gonna ask Frank it's, about it's, that. It's weird. How, like how you tell me you played right? Is it possible for a quarterback to go extended periods of time without talking to the head coach? Is, Is that Doug possible? The play caller? Was Doug the play caller? Doug, what, Doug was the play caller. At that How's time. that possible? How's that possible? So when you're going over a game plan on Saturday night and you got the head coach in your room and you're talking about game plan and what you're going to do against Seattle or what have you, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there telling me that he didn't show up to those meetings, talking about a game plan of what you were going to do on Sunday, right? that's utterly impossible. It doesn't, And also to add, to add more it's fuel impossible. To, that, to add more fuel to that fire, right? Remember, they fired Doug first before they traded Wentz. Yeah, they fired Doug first in hopes that it would get. It, they fired Doug hoping that it would flip Wentz so he would stay. That's why they hired Nick Sirianni, a Frank Reich disciple. <clears throat> that was that was their real plan, but then but but they didn't anticipate Carson still wanting out. Can I? So that so that tells me, did Carson and Doug really have an issue, or was the issue between Doug and the top? No, it's Doug and the top. I don't buy it. 
I think it was manufactured by the Eagle PR department. They had and to I'm going to make another. And guess what? The Eagles are prone to find themselves a scapegoat. Yep. That's how they're built. They're going to find one. Dude, there was no problem between Doug Peterson. Because Doug's a play caller then after Frank left. Mm -hmm. He took over. Okay, he took over the play calling? Shit, dude. It's impossible not to talk to your play caller. You talk to him in practice. You talk to him in meetings. You talk to him in individual meetings. You talk to him in offensive meetings. You talk to him Saturday night. You know what a coach and a play caller will do in the head coach? The, the Quarterbacks get their own rooms on travel days when we have to travel. Everyone else has to share a room, okay? No one gets a separate room unless it's in your contract. Quarterbacks, including the backups, all get their own room. And you know what they have? They have a meeting room in there. Head coach will come down, and you'll come down back in the day when they had projectors. They'll sit there, and they'll look at the old VCRs or what have you. They'll go over the game plans, and they'll start talking. It's feasibly impossible for Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson not to have spoken that final season because Doug's the play caller. Yeah, and that was the rumor. It was a twenty-four-seven relationship. When I heard it, I that was, was like, made up. How? I'm, when I heard it, I'm like, how is that even feasible? It's not. It's 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 not possible. So yeah, again, the Brent Covey stuff coming out. It's just more par for the course. If we're being honest, can I give you my aluminum foil conspiracy thing here? Let's put them on on how Sirianni got in the building. Let's put them on. <laughs> so Big Sil's sitting around last night thinking the way I do, because you know I like to think this way sometimes because I mm -hmm. like I'm always thinking about topics. I got little sheets that I write down. Mm -hmm. And you said Doug was fired first, right? Yes. Okay. As they were getting ready to try to move Carson Wentz, <clears throat> wasn't there a comment that was made by the organization prior to him being moved? There'll be an open conversation, an open competition this coming year between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. They wanted Carson to come back and compete, yes. Okay. Meanwhile, they already paid him, but they wanted and him see, to come. For me, I thought that was a fundamental flaw because you lower the value of your quarterback who you just paid that $38 million a year to where you should have just kept that internal. But for some reason, they wanted that smoke signal out. You know why? They were telling other teams were willing to move them. And they wanted to know they wanted them to know if there was a buyer out there. They wanted to figure out his value without figuring out his value. Correct. And they wanted to see if there'd be any takers. So Frank gets the job in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Nick gets the job in Philly. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take that. Wentz contract on. And you can have Nick as your head coach. Take Nick as the head coach. We'll take the contract on. Or say hated him. It just seems to me that, and Frank said it here. You know, the owner called me and went like this. What are you making Nick Sirianni? And everyone in Philly was like, who the fuck is Nick Sirianni? You guys were talking about Lincoln Riley and these other guys <laughs> that were going to be the head coach. We were. And, and, and get this. And all of a sudden, hey, Nick, you can get this job. I'm going to help you get it. 
you got to go in there and you got to work with that dude. You got to walk around on Howie Roseman knee pads. Frank wanted, he wanted Carson. Mm -hmm. And Carson had a good season, if we're being honest. Had a really good year, 3,800 yeah. yards, 29 touchdowns, six picks, 67 completion percentage. He had a good year. I'll tell you what, man, that guy Ursay hasn't had a better quarterback season in the building since him. That's a fact. Since Andrew Luck. That is a fact. Maybe Phillip Rivers. It's it's true. Okay. So Frank wanted cart. Hey, you could have Nick take me take my boy over here. You know, we had great success in Philly together. Mm -hmm. I believe in you, Carson. Mm -hmm. Frank Frank was like, Hey Nick, I can get you that interview, but you gotta nail it. I'm gonna give you the interview, but you gotta nail it. And this is what you say, and this is what you don't say. And that's how you let and that's how you landed the head coach. Cause did, did, did it were you not shocked that he parachuted in from nowhere. He came out of nowhere. The moment he was hired, everybody was like, who is this guy? Everybody yeah, across the world. No one ever tied in. Wentz to Indy, Nick to Philly. Steichen to Philly. Gannon to Philly. I didn't, you know, I didn't think any of it was a coincidence. You know, the, you know just the idea of, you know, Doug getting fired and then, because remember, they really thought, and it could be, they really thought that they could persuade Carson to stay with that Nick hire. They thought that, but Carson still wanted out. So, so, so again, to your point, they felt like, okay, we got to find a way. Yeah, to but I think I, I, I think Frank wanted Nick. I think Frank wanted Carson and in Indy because they were just coming off of Jacoby Brissett. Because it went River, no Rivers retired. Rivers retired. Right. It went Jacoby Brissett, Frank's first year, then Rivers. Then when Rivers retired, he needed a quarterback. Right. And the what? other only quarterback that was out there that was really with any kind of name at that time, if I'm not mistaken, there could have been someone else, was Carson Wentz. And the Eagles floated it out because what was the most important thing that they did that offseason? There's going to be an open competition between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. Let every team know that he's available. Right. And I think, and I think they came out with that. If I'm and again, this is us again, tinfoil talk. I think the moment they put that story out, that's what that that turned Carson Wentz off the most. And he was like, I'm not competing. Because again, I truly because remember, you know, typically yeah, because they told him he's not brought in <laughs> right. to compete with you. He's brought in as a safety belt. Typically, typically in these situations, organizations either choose coach or quarterback. And they and they typically, well, typically they always choose the player. They always choose the player over the coach, right? So that was step number one. Yeah. They they chose Wentz over Peterson. That was step one. Then they wanted, they really wanted Wentz to stay because what team wants it wants to take that dead cap hit? They wanted. Do you him really to think how he wanted him to stay? I would like to think so from financial from from a financial standpoint. I would like to think so. Damn! Look at this guy going back to the money. You're right. Because you can't what? justify going to the owner. Remember, hey. remember that was the largest dead cap hit taken in the NFL at the time. That was the I, largest. If I'm not dead mistaken, what it was, it was his, and then the second one was the Matt Ryan hit following year to Indianapolis. Right, right. So, so again, I always try to go back to the money. They wanted ones to stay, but then the moment, because again, I think. Once Nick came here, they really felt like that connection, the Frank Wright connection, would motivate Wentz to stay. 
But then once they enter that whole competition thing and Wentz is going to have to earn it, they turned them off. And that's when they had to hurry up and say, okay, how can we move them? Hey, Frank, you, you, you want them? You know, they had, they, had, they, had to, they had to scramble. I don't think they really had the full intentions of moving Carson that offseason. But they put their foot in their mouth. You know what kills me is that why so much drama in the offseason with this team? When it, when it doesn't why, why, why is there so much drama with them? Because they're too antsy. They get nervous when things don't really click right away. And, and, that's, and, that, and that starts at Jeffrey Lurie. I talk to John McMillan about it all the time. And one thing he says, and again, I don't want to put words in his mouth. There's so much drama. But, you know, and to, to paraphrase, he always says how Jeffrey Lurie is just, he's too, he's too trigger happy when things go wrong. He's too trigger happy. He gets a little too antsy. He gets too desperate when things go wrong. And, you know, lo and behold, that's why you have entire coaching staffs getting fired, you know, right, after one season, which goes back to my original point saying they have more faith in their process. than oh, they yes. Do. They have more faith in their own process than they do actual people. Uh, correct. Nick 100%. Sirianni. Nick Sirianni. If, again, Nick Sirianni throughout his whole tenure as an Eagles head coach, he only had, what, one mess up, really? He only had one slip up. Yeah. Really, if we're being honest, just one. Your team still won 11 and six. You know, and again, this is me thinking in the macro, right? I got it. 11 and six. He really had one slip up. You know, you went one and seven in the final stretch. Okay. The guy was just in the Super Bowl. Two years, if you want to look at it like that, too. Right, right. So why are you overreacting? Perfect example when you brought in Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon, Jonathan Gannon had, um, Jonathan Gannon had no experience. As a DC, Shane Steichen had one had one year of experience as an OC. So, what's the difference between Brian Johnson having no experience as an OC in the NFL and Sean Desai having one year experience as a, as a DC? Right. The difference is, and I always go back to the money, and I said this to John last night. Here's the main difference: they have more patience for Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon because no real money was involved yet. The moment they, the moment Jalen Hurts got that money, the moment he signed that contract, their their clock started ticking. And the moment they felt like they couldn't get through or they had some kind of setback with Brian Johnson and Sean Desai, they offed them because now money's involved. And the money will always make you do crazy things. Absolutely, it will. It, it, it makes you panic because, again, the number one rule in the NFL is you pay them, you play them. And we always talk about that four-year window. They, That's right. They're, they're feeling the heat. And they look at it like this. We can't afford to waste time. I'm going to make this point to you one more time about Hertz and the organization. And I know you have great faith in him. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But I just don't, I just think with all the drama around him and the way that they're acting and when you hear Britton Covey talk, as long as Nick Sirianni's in that building, there's yeah. not a chance in hell Jalen Hurts is going to have success. And I know you think he's got superpowers. No, no, no. And that's no to your point. Okay. You, and I, wait, hey, let that. me finish now. I, I, I know I you, you think he's got these superpowers and he's going to be able to like, fight, <laughs> fight the kryptonite. Okay. You got to remember something. Nick Sirianni is to Jalen Hurts what kryptonite is a Superman. I hear I, I I'm with you. That's why, and again, me and John agree with this. Why keep him in the building if you don't believe he has the answers? Why keep him? Why? Oh, I know why. Because your ego is attached to it now. And you guys can't afford to wear that badge of, oh, we firehead coaches that have winning records. That's, that's. That, it's, it's pride. Okay, so wait. He is in the building because the front office. He's in the building because of PR. He's not in the locker room because the players want him there. He's in the building because it's public relations related. That's my that's my opinion. And, and I'm not moving off that. He's in the building because they don't want to take the hit from the media. I firmly believe that. And I'll stand on that. And I'll have that conversation with anybody. Dude, he's a doorman at a strip club. <laughs> Listen, he uh, you know he's a he's a runner. He gets the coffee and all that. Hey, what do you need, honey? A cruller. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> hey, listen. You've been in the locker room, right? You know the guy that always comes in with the laundry bin and all the players are throwing their jock straps in there. He's the one that. That's him. He pushes that in. That's hey, him. man. Get this. I put an extra shirt in there. I'm gonna wear that tonight. Can you drop that <laughs> in my laundry bag for me? Thank. Hey, hey, man. Here's an extra 10, 15 bucks. <laughs> I got a shirt. I need this tonight. I'm gonna have practice. Gonna have a walkthrough, but I've got an event. Can I throw it in my laundry bag? Go ahead, sales. And guess, and guess what, Phil? You know what's a shame? I'm pretty. Here's the sad part about it. I'm sure Nick Sirianni is a dope dude. I re, I'm really sure he is. But for this organization to not only put Sean Desai in a situation like this, like they did, and put Nick Sirianni in a situation like this, it's insulting. It's insulting. We're talk. The reason we are talking about him like this is because they put him in this position. You see, I said this in the first hour about you. That's why when people go like this to me, because like when you and I opened the show prior to starting the show, you're going to be a better guy to talk about the Eagles than me. And I'll tell you why, because you have love for him. And there's going to be a point where you're going to drop that love and you're going to quantify a pick or a take, I should say. You I just did it. You just did it in front of me. 
I bet that Nick's a good guy. I don't give a shit if Nick's a good guy or not. I'm with you. No, I'll buy, I'll buy, but I'm with care. you. Though. But you see what you did there? Because, you know, you have empathy. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I that, that is true. I, I do empathize with him. But I don't know. But here's the – don't ever have empathy for the NFL ever because they don't have empathy for you. When they raise ticket prices on you, Tone, you think they give a shit about your empathy? That's, that's, when that's, your football team melts down like that, charging point. you $25 for a Coke and $30 for a freaking beer or hot dog? But I'm trying that's to find not that. an organization I'm, that I'm trying to find that balance, Sills. It's a balancing act. I'm trying hey, to find man, that balance. That's an organization, not just Philly. That's a whole – the Shield has no empathy. There's a reason the Super Bowl trophy is steel cold when you grab it it's not hot it's cold <laughs> there's a reason i hear for you that. i hear you i hear you man I, you know that's why hey listen there's great organizations in the world that you have great empathy for they ain't it they do not i mean look at last year how many dude you could sit there between the trump white house and the biden white house and the nick sirianni white house and go i can't tell who lies more <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can't tell who lies more. That's another thing, too. They make that man go up there and lie all the time. Dude, oh, this is a shame. Yeah, but hey, eight million dollars to fall on a sword. Hey, 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 hey you lie too, right? Hell yeah, <laughs> I lie my ass off. Hey, what hey, do you what, want me to do? Hey, Howie, what, what do you need me to say? I made a play. Right, gotcha. Sure. You who oh, do you yeah, want me to cover for? Jeffrey. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. sure, no problem. <laughs> but that's not really a coach, right? Right. And as long as you know that. See, here's the thing, right? Yeah, here's but you're killing Hurts. Yeah, and that's another conversation. That's another. That's a whole other. See, it's it's funny when you think about it from that perspective because Hurts comes from the Saban tree, and to be in a situation like this is probably like, this is this is a goddamn comedy show. Hey, but wait a minute. We just said something about us falling on the sword for six million. Damn, Jay, let's say something. Hey, I make fifty-five. Hey, that's fifty million. You're right. You're right, man. Hey, you want me to start barking about what? Some coach? Some? You want me to bark against the guys who are paying me that? Not happening. And remember what Boomer said about learning to play with the contract? Okay, I mean, look, you don't. I don't hear. Mahomes doesn't talk shit on Andy. Mahomes doesn't talk shit on Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Hey, those guys are dropping passes against the Eagles. Hey man, I trust my guys. We're gonna be good. We'll be okay. That's okay? why I when you make that kind of money, Tone, you're not gonna be a leader. You're gonna be more of a politician. Politician, but you're also gonna be a corporate board of directors guy. You're not gonna say anything disparaging against your company or your people who run your company. That's why Duke, the more money you make, the less you say. That's why politicians don't speak ill of their investors. That's why right. Would, Cause you why know why they? they're sitting there getting a what Intel Z waste management is going to have what they're going to, they're going to have a drop in earnings this coming quarter. Yeah. So if you can give us that land deal, Hey, dump the stock. Hey, and, and, and before you know it, Nancy Pelosi, who makes $120 million a year, has got $97 million in the bank. Mm -hmm. Dude, that's across the board with uh -huh. everybody. Uh -huh. The Hold more on, money you make, the more influence and power you have, the less you say, Tone. Of course. Of course. It's like, oh, wait. I think, it hurt, I, think it, I think they're hurting Jalen Hurts so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. With, the, with the accessibility. Dude, when I heard Jeff Kerr, and he kind of 
didn't want to really say it. He blew my mind when he said that, though. Yo, but you mind. guys, you know what he did? And I, I'll give him, give, hey, you know why Rob has a job at WIP and I don't? Rob was smart. He kind of walked over that because let me tell you something. When you see, I don't have to do that. So, no, 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 no but Rob is smart. Right. Of course. Of I'm course, not. Of course. Of course. Hey, of course. I'm not. Okay. And he's right. But when you hear this, yeah, the Eagles just don't make the guy accessible. Okay. That's Jeff Kerr saying that. Barrett Brooks said the same thing and he got killed for it. It was kind of similar when um when Carson Wentz was in the building. Carson Wentz and Barrett didn't really have a a, a, a solid relationship because Carson. I mean, um, Barrett was like he was he was stern. He was he was he was stern with him. Every time Barrett would try to speak to him, Carson would kind of give him the cold shoulder. I'm not saying that's what Hurts is doing, but I'm saying that's to your I'm point about either, that. But, uh, yeah, but I don't think they're helping him because anybody that talk about Hurts, they say, oh yeah, you can talk to him for sure. He's he's he's, he's approachable, but the handlers. They make it difficult, not him, the handlers. What is it so important to guard the message? Or guard the messenger? Are you afraid what he'll say? Dude, I got to tell you, the way they run their team and for the amount of success they have, it's really they, shocking. They, they they run it like the Pentagon. No message gets in or out without it's our like approval. government. Yeah. It's like a government. It really is like the no, government. No message gets in or gets out without our approval. Yeah, but you, don't you see that it, they they create their own? I like that word, Rico. They 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 create their own landmines. Yeah. So Strategic you think Hurts is going to win a Super Bowl with the way the current insecure? Okay. You think he's going to win a Super Bowl in this environment? Bro, push. It's a push. Roll the barrel. <laughs> Roll the barrel. <laughs> oh, you man. know when hurts. You know when hurts his best opportunity will be to win a Super Bowl again. Three years from now. Two years. Two. No, this coming year. No, this off season. In 2025, he'll be back on track again when they dump this guy. And you know again. I mean, Tony, it's like you fired your entire army but kept the, kept the general that led you to defeat in the war. Exactly. Exactly. That's why. You fired I, your entire army. That's why I really believe. I really believe Kellen Moore, he, obviously he's a smart guy, but you brought you him in because him. You, you brought him in because he, he's the guy. Yeah, hey, you I kept, try so hard to stay serious. Yeah, you kept Colonel Custard. And everyone else that fought for him, hey, you know, I know he died on the hill at Bull. I know, I know he died there too. But I'm saying, so you kept Custer. Everyone else, you're gone. I don't care. Let's get a new army in here. You let yeah. me do a bad war. Who cares? Mm. But yeah, you know, it's it's that's why I don't see Nick Sirianni being here long term, and I don't think he does either. I think he's already, I think he's already having that foresight. Because you don't make the moves they made from a coaching perspective and think that man's going to be here beyond next season or even the, or even the following season after that. Um, I think Kellen Moore is more their cup of tea than a Cliff Kingsbury because Kellen Moore was, is willing to play ball a bit more. Kellen Moore is kind of the best, of, the kind of like the best of both worlds for them. Yeah. He, he he calls offense the way they want it called, and he and he's going to play ball. And I think if things start off slow, 
Nick Sirianni's out. Kellen Moore because of the interim. It's and an easier he, transition. It's an easier. It, not- it, it, it's an easier transition that you can make sense of. You can you can sell that to the fan base, mm-hmm. but it, but it's hard to sell firing a guy that was in the Super Bowl the year before. It's hard to sell that, but you can sell a slow start, firing him and making Kellen Moore your interim. That's an easy sell, right? Yeah, oh, completely an easy sell. All right, what do you got Sunday? Dude, I know. I got, you know I got, what? The Mahomes thing is hard it's, for me it, too. I, I got, I got Chiefs. I got Chiefs winning the game. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Twenty-four. Chiefs. Twenty-seven. Twenty-four. I said this: if the 49ers don't score first, and that defense doesn't show up. It's going to be a long night. I think this game is decided strictly by that 49ers defense. Completely. You can't let Mahomes get into a rhythm because if he starts to get into a rhythm and Pacheco gets going, the it's game's over. over. Yep, and also I'll take it a step further. If Brock Purdy has more than 35 pass attempts, they lose the game. I think if he has a turnover, I think Mahomes could have a turnover and still win. Because Agreed. how many times have you seen that guy throw himself out of trouble? Agreed, yeah. See, that's the magic with him. That guy could throw two. Do you remember that AFC title game against the Titans when they were down 21-0? That was Came insane. Back and beat them like 10, by 10. I don't know. I don't know how they did that, but that was insane. Also, I don't think this is a game where I honestly think the Niners are going into this game saying to themselves, we want to run the ball. They want to get Christian McCaffrey going. They don't want they don't want they don't want Brock Purdy to feel like he has to win this game. That's not what they want. They want to keep Brock Purdy between 23 and 28 attempts. I think McCaffrey is the key to this. He is the key. If, if if the if the Chiefs do a good enough job keeping McCaffrey from hurting them, they're going to win this game outright. Yeah. McCaffrey's the key. Steve McCaffrey's Wilkes, the key. Steve Wilkes, the D coordinator for the Eagles, um, Niners. versus Andy Reid. Man, I mean, I like Steve, but that defense hasn't showed up. And also, Purdy, they did come back in the Detroit game. But you can't play 30 minutes of football against Andy, or you know what he's going to do? And, Tone, I don't know if you see it the same way I do, but this looks like almost a complete – It's the it's, it's mirror. It's, it's parallel. It's a mirror image of last year's Super Bowl. The Absolutely. better roster is San Fran. Absolutely. You have, a quarter, you, have, you, have, you have two quarterbacks that came on the scene out of nowhere. No right. one no, – everyone doubted them. You have you have these dominant wide receivers, the dominant tight end, the, you know, the dominant offensive line, the running game. Um, you have uh, you have the defense that's um getting sacks and forcing turnovers. But here's the thing, though. You know they're talking a lot about this Chiefs run defense and how it can, and how it can be had. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't speak so soon about that because Spagnolo, yeah, he's so smart. Entering that Super Bowl last year, the Eagles were, I think, top five in rushing. The 49ers are top five in rushing this year. And guess what happened when the Eagles got into that Super Bowl? All of a sudden, we saw uh, we saw the Philadelphia Eagles offense not able to run that ball. We saw those running backs become obsolete. Spagnuolo is a very smart dude. He knows exactly what to do. And whatever you think you got figured out about that Chiefs defense, you better think again. I firmly believe that Chiefs defense is going to come in and, 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 and really go crazy. I believe that. I really believe this? that. If that Kansas City Chiefs team wins that Super Bowl, be their, third have... four, be their third and four attempts, I would make this proclamation to you. 
that it will be a better dynasty than the Cowboy dynasty. Has anyone? I'm so glad you said that. Has anyone had? Think about think about what it took to get here, right? Have the we Cowboys seen, didn't have a salary cap error. Right, that's true too. Have we seen? Have we seen a quarterback and a team go through the type of playoff gauntlet that we've seen them go through in the past two years? Not last, since the '80s. Listen, last year, right? Mahomes went through. Um, he went through Burrow. Burrow. He Allen. went through Allen. Um, yeah, he went through because because they were the number one seed last year. He went through Burrow and went through Allen last year. This year, he went through two in the Dolphins, went through Buffalo and Josh Allen. Then, remind you, on the road in Buffalo. Yeah, no doubt. And then ran that game was close. And then ran through the Ravens. Isn't it a field goal in Buffalo? I think to tie the game up late. It was something I can't I can't remember. Um, but. But then they ran through Baltimore at M&T Bank on the road again and gets the hottest team in football. Beat them. Put them away. Put them away. 17 to 10. They stopped that number one rushing attack. Who am I to sit here and say the Niners are just shoe-ins? No way. No way. This is going to be – see, no way. I'm done betting against game. Patrick. I'm done. I, I think I, this is a coin flip game. I can't. I, I do not believe that this is a game where you go, well, the Niners are favored by two and a half. I'd be like this. Okay. All right. Sure don't feel it. At all. Not to me. Okay. I mean, does, well, will your perception of Andy Reid change at all if he gets another Super Bowl win? I mean, it would solidify what I already know, but I mean, I already felt like Andy Reid was one of the best coaches we've ever seen. And his I can't ability. Believe how you Philly guys are, and I and I find it to be. I'm not saying your takes are wrong. I, I'm really not. And you know mm-hmm. what? I tease you, and Rod, Rob, and all you guys. But at the end of the day, listen. Mm-hmm. I talked to Tony Dungy. He knows Andy very well. The whole kid wow. dying thing was a disaster. Yeah. You know, Tony lost his son yeah. when he was the head coach at uh, Tampa, and it really affected Tony coaching the last couple of years there in Tampa. It mm-hmm. totally – it was terrible. And also, and, I don't want it to imply that they fired Andy because he was a bad coach. No. Andy has never been a bad coach. Never. I think 14 years is enough. That's a long time to be somewhere. And I you mean, got, can you, you, five can cracks you at a it. coach in NFL history that lasted 14, 15 years doing a Super Bowl, and he just hung there? And almost got there, but I, I mean, I'm trying to think of a guy who was in one place for 15 years and didn't and, win. And had five cracks at it. Five. I, mean, I can't like, think of somebody. Would you let me ask you this? If you're running a if you're running a Fortune 500 company and you got somebody in your company for 15 years and they keep missing the mark, they're talented. You know they're talented, but they keep missing the mark. At some point, you're going to say, all right, you're talented. We're not letting you go because you're talented. We're letting you go because maybe we need another mind in the building. It's but but my my why did you go from that to chip? I can't speak for that now. That's a that was a see that, that was a, Andy's one thing. You see, get this: when you replace Don Shula in Miami, I don't you think you can't him with Jimmy Johnson. Right, right, and also to your point, I don't think you can replace a guy like Andy, and I think that's why they pivoted so hard. You can never replace oh, that they, guy. Okay, I, I see what you're saying because check it out. Look what look what Jimmy did. Mm-hmm. 
You got to, you know, here's the thing you got to remember with Coach Johnson. Jimmy replaced Tom Landry and Don Shula. I mean, it wasn't like he walked into the building. I mean, he was the next dude, the next dude. But still, that's hard to do. Oh, shit. You bet it is. I want to replace the dude that replaced the dude. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Okay. I I don't want anything to do with that. So, I mean. That's why we look at Nick Sirianni kind of funny. Because you replaced the dude, you got to replace the dude. It's hard now. The, the next coach in Philly is going to have an easier time because he's replacing the dude to your point that replaced the dude. See, it's kind of it's kind of hard Rico, to chip is chip is creative, he does have great, but he great was too, ideas. he was too, he was ahead of his time. Chip was ahead of the the, the, the league. Is not his problem. I'll tell you flat the, out what is the bedside manner. You tell me all the time, it's the bedside manner. You tell me well, all the time. Not only that. Okay, here's the massive problem in his approach compared to college ball. You have 100 guys in 85 on scholarship. When you're in the pros, you got 53 dudes. And when you're trying to run 85 plays, and you're trying to do 85 plays in a game with that high up-tempo offense, it doesn't wear your offense out. It wears your defense out. And by the end of the time, he wore – And I don't even know this for a fact. Was there a lot of guys on IR at the back end of his time? That's a good question. um, When you have have so limited guys and you're trying to run 85 plays and you're starting to get three and outs, dude, you're going to run your defense into the IR IR tent and you're just not going to last. And that's why he started out, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he start out with double-digit win seasons? Yes, yes. His first two seasons were double-digit wins. And then he and got then, then it started fading out because the personnel started getting injured all the time and they couldn't keep that high tempo up. Right. Okay. Let me see if I can find uh the injury. So Chip Kelly got there in what 2013? Something Maybe. like that. Yeah. Okay. You know, he was supposed to be the Bucks head coach. He turned it down. All right, here we go. 2013. Tw- uh, 20, 2013 Philadelphia Eagles injury. So in 2013. We had um, – let me see if I can find people who are on IR. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six guys on IR. That's yes. his first year. That was the first year, yeah. Six guys on IR the first year. Uh, in 2014, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven – Eight guys on IR in 2014. Okay, and, take a look at that 15 year now. And then the 15 year. Whoa. Okay. Um, in 15, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You had nine players on IR. So it kept going up. It kept going up. And you had a lot, they had a they had a lot of injuries on the back end. Yo, let let me pull this up to you right now. This graphic is insane. I I, got to show it to you, Sills. I have to show it to you. Let me pull it up because uh, it shows you. It breaks it down pretty well. So this is the last year. All right, here we are. So, wow. Let me get rid of this ad. All right, so this is the team injuries from the 2015 Philadelphia. Is that his final year? His final year, right? Pat Shermer took over at the end, but this is his final year. Chip Kelly, he went six. He went. He went six and nine, but the Eagles went six and ten that year as a whole. So here we go. This is the key. 
you have uh the green is probable yellow is questionable orange is doubtful and then it starts to get then it gets worse and worse and worse as you can see so i'm gonna zoom in here so team injuries look just, just pay attention to the back end no just pay attention from november on look at look how it piles up when you go down And this is the defense side that goes to your point. Well, not defense. I'm sorry. I think they have these names in alphabetical order. These aren't separated based off of um, offense or defense. I think they just have. Yeah, Look they at have all the name. injuries. Look at all these on the back on the back end. This is all. This is all back right here. And there lies why Chip ran out of gas there too. Besides a shitty bedside manner, mm -hmm. you can't run 85 plays in an NFL and run that kind of tempo when you don't have depth. You just don't. Mm. Probable 95 95.6% of, of the time reported guys probable, probable every week. And question 50% 50 was questionable. Of his roster was questionable. It's insane. Think about that. Every every Sunday, half his team was questionable on whether they would play or not. He ran his team into the IR tent. He he ran him into the he ran him into to, to the hearse, killed yeah, those guys. Because he I mean like you said, now, if you're running that kind of style of offense today, I mean, you're talking maybe, about – that's 10 maybe. years ago almost his final season. And, and, and now teams are rotating more yes. rotating more linemen now, more like D-line, all that kind of stuff. The rosters have, rosters have expanded, and you're also – your practice squad has expanded. Now you're able to keep more guys on your club. That's why he's getting looks now for O.C., you, you know what? He, he's going to yeah, leave. He's, supposed, he's supposed to be looking at a job in Ohio State now for the OC Ohio job. Ohio State there. because O'Brien's going to take the BC job. Yep, Boston College, yeah. I appreciate it, Bruce. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, Chip Kelly's going to be back in the NFL. And you know what's going to happen? The, he's going to get back in the NFL. He's going to get a coordinating job somewhere. And be, I'll tell you what, Chip Kelly with – shit, man, I'd like to see Chip Kelly with Jalen Hurts. Man. Hmm. But – I mean, he's, he, he's that there. would never, I mean, yeah, that would never happen. <laughs> I'm just saying, happen. he that's the kind of style of quarterback he wants. I'm curious to see Chip Kelly with Justin Fields. Wow, imagine Dude, Chip wrong, man. He's a, he's a good offensive minded guy, he's just a no, dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I never felt like he didn't know, I never felt like he didn't know football. Let me make that clear, too. I knew Chip Kelly was a smart guy, but they gave him his, too much his, power, man. He shouldn't have been in charge of personnel. They gave him way too much power, way too much power. Um. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You see, if you see MG's going that, you know, Chip Kelly's a garbage can. Well, why are teams then interviewing him for the offensive coordinating? You know that he's interviewed for like five NFL offensive coordinating jobs? I mean, there's a reason for that. Tony, he interviewed for the Washington Commanders OC job. Mm -hmm. He interviewed for the Pittsburgh Seattle. Steelers job. And Seattle. And the Seattle job. Yeah. People He's clearly, gonna be back in the league again as an offensive coordinator somewhere. All he did was just throw out the fishing line. And yeah, he, and he's gonna he's gonna be patient. That's all he he's did. Telling them this year was about the fishing line. That's all UCLA he wanted to do. UCLA is never gonna do shit because UCLA doesn't have enough money when it comes to nil. The school doesn't support the football program, and it never has, like the hoop program. And he wants out. Mm -hmm. He'll make as much money being a coordinator somewhere in the league than he will, and he'll have more autonomy. Like, check it out. Could you see him someplace like 
being an offensive coordinator in Atlanta, if they got I was literally about to say Atlanta if they got Justin Fields. If you got Justin Fields down there, that's the kind of quarterback. Because remember what Marcus Mariota was. Marcus Mm. Mariota is an RPO guy. Sure was. Okay. Well, when you when he got the head coaching job in Philly, who was the quarterback? Uh Vic, I think. You think there's any coincidence to that? Not at all. Also, that's why Marcus Mariota struggled transitioning into the was league. Was Vic a pro bowler? Uh, he was a pro bowler under... Andy? Uh, um, let me double check that. That's a good question. I thought he had Foles in that. Who was the coach for Foles when he was 26 TDs and two picks? Chip Kelly. Okay. Chip, Chip Kelly. Shit. Chip Kelly, I think, I think Chip Kelly drafted Nick Foles. And, uh... Okay, Holy here. shit. I mean, he was responsible for that. Tw- Dude, that was one of the best passing to interception ratios in the history of the league, that 26 TD. Did you know? pick season. Yeah. Did you know, right, still to this day, Nick Foles holds the holds the best record, holds the record for highest completion percentage in the playoffs? Best substitute teacher of all time. The best sub of all time, baby. Dude, he really is, man. The best yes, substitute teacher. So did you – so you obviously didn't like – because of the whole Deshaun Jackson and yeah that yeah that pissed me off that pissed me off because I, because I didn't think they were the issue you know but again you know you got to crawl before you go walk and we won a Super Bowl two years later so sometimes you got to sacrifice a few heads see and get this again I know you guys love the guys I like I, I like Super but Bowls he more. wasn't wrong I love Super Bowls more right again those guys have a cow because of the way they were treated out the door. And I get which it. It's not a problem. And, I agree with that. And, and, and another thing, they probably felt they, like, damn, we could have been a part of that. You know what I mean? So, no, no. So I understand that. I understand their angle because they're players and you play. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what it's yeah, like when you yeah, feel like a coach yeah. doesn't get the most out of you. You, feel, yeah. you know you know what that feels like. Yeah, the completely the, dis, the disrespect. You see, I think Shady and Deshaun – are more upset that they – it's not that they were fired because it's the league. Right. I think it's the way they were handled. Yeah, because yeah, because Chip tried to accuse Deshaun of being a gang member. Um, and then uh, – What? Yeah. Yeah, you don't remember that? Oh, my God. Yeah. They were trying to – at that time, they were trying to – they were trying to spin it like Deshaun was a distraction. He was a, he, he was moving around with the – Yeah. You know – Yes. Everybody, listen. The live chat remembers that there, like, there was a point in time when, when they went, when he moved on from Deshaun Jackson, the, it was stories out there how um, that uh, some t- gangster being from Berkeley, yeah, 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 yeah. because <laughs> you know, the, 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 the yeah, Berkeley you know, gangster, yeah, because Deshaun's from Deshaun's from L.A. So you know, they tried to say you know, um, yeah, Deshaun was moving around with gang members and Crips and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it got messy. It was got he messy. throwing signs up during the games and stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I don't just know. asking. Where would he get that from? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But um, but yeah, that was a that was that came up a lot. That was a, a tricky situation around that time, and they, and they ended up moving him. Man, where in the world would you go with that? Also, you- remind you, we never. Um. Also, remind you, we never heard any stories of Deshaun Jackson getting you know caught up in the mix. Never. Djax no. from Crenshaw. Yeah, he's from he's from uh, he's from that area. He's from he's from that he's LA from area. South Central. I, I think he's I don't I don't know exactly where, but I know he's from I know he's from LA that area. I know he's from there. I know he's from there. But yeah, hey, I think. Might, it, you I, know what? You want to hear something? I'm yeah. going to Crenshaw High. Um, 
Oh yeah, you told me you got ties there to one of the coaches, right? Yeah, we have with the coach. Well, I go. We go there every year. My wife has a rugby game against Crenshaw High School girls. We were there last year, dude. Daryl Strawberry played on that field, dude. There were so many guys. Hey, um, my boy Ice Cube meets me down there. I love going down there, South Central man. And we we have pizza. We sing. It's really cool, dude. All right. Okay, I mean, it's, it it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite things we do. My apologies. Deshaun Jackson's from Long Beach, Long Beach, California. Okay, he's LBC. Long Beach. So that's that's where. Uh, hey, listen. That's where Snoop's like. That's, that's, from, Snoop, that's where Snoop from. That's a Snoop from. That's right. I think so. Oh, he's from Long Beach, Poly. Hey, get this. If I'm not mistaken, I think Antonio Pierce coached there in high school at Long Beach, Poly. Hey, you want to hear a cool thing that Snoop does there with that Long Beach, Poly? If that's Snoop's high school. You know what he does? He gives money to the high school's athletic department, dude. And you know what he does? They hire, like, um, who, who's Manzada? They hire all these NFL guys, and Snoop fronts the bill, pays the bill for all these coaches. That's dope. That's dope. Did to you go know? in there and pay for all these NFL guys. So when you look at, like, Long Beach Poly, and you look at the sidelines, you see, like, six NFL guys on the sidelines – Coaching on uh, Long Beach Poly. Willie McGinnis you went know, to Long, oh, on Long Beach Poly too, man. Did you know? Dude, did that you know high Snoop? school is really famous for producing a lot of great ball players. Listen to this. Did you know? Uh, oh, yeah, Deshaun Jackson went to Long Beach Poly as well. Um, but nonetheless, um, did you know that Snoop coached CJ Stroud? He, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wait, was it was it in, in his camp? Yeah, yeah. Snoop Snoop has a football camp that, you know, that he does every IMG? year. I don't know, but Snoop also has a movie coming out where he plays like a like 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 a little league coach, and it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be based off of like his you know his his football camp and all that kind of it's it's it's, it's hilarious. Wait, I'm gonna tell you where I met him. I met him in Orlando. Listen to this. So I'm in Orlando. My show's on in Tampa, Orlando, in Miami, or some shit. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I lived in Orlando because it's in the heart of the state. We could get around whatever. Right. So um, over at Disney. There's a football tournament, and there's a football tournament going on. Sure enough, there's this long drink of water, and he's just sitting there, and you're looking at him. He's got a hat on. He's got shades. And I, I looked over at my wife. I go, I go, is that Snoop Dogg? She's like, dope. This is his tournament. He holds a tournament every year in the state of Florida. And I'm like, what? I went Snoop over to very introduce myself to him, man. I, he's like, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a Miami guy. And I'm going, yeah, that's awesome. He goes, oh, you know, you, you know my boy Ice Cube. And then we went. That's how I met him was this guy puts a football tournament on every year. He and also like, has you know how many his, kids um, that have gone on to the NFL that have gone through that camp? A lot of kids have gone through that tournament. Through He's instrumental in doing a lot of that stuff. Definitely. Man. Snoop has camps in LA. Like you said, Florida. Snoop also has a documentary that I think that comes on Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that 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 follows, or was it was it Netflix? I can't remember, but he has a documentary that they follow his his football camps. Like Snoop is a big deal in football. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's got something to do with that big high school in Vegas, too. Like there's a really big high school in Vegas. Kent Gaither or something like that. That's in Vegas. I lived in Vegas, and there's like a big school that is sponsored by by Snoop Dogg too. That I think his kid may have even played there in Vegas at that high school. 
Um, dude, Greg Maddox. Um, was, Greg Maddox went to this high school. I, Bishop Gorman. Way to go, MG. Bishop Gorman is like the big school, and I thought that Snoop had something to do with Bishop Gorman. It's a huge program, dude. You walk in there, a lot of college and a lot of NFL guys came out of that bitch. Yeah, man. Look, you know, we we, we say all that to say maybe we need Snoop coaching the Eagles. <laughs> Elliot Spitzer Shore Parks put article out about Deshaun Jackson's so-called gang affiliations. Hours later, he was cut. That's what happened. Thank you, Calvin. That, that That's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what true. happened. They couldn't prove it. Just because I got friends that do certain things, that don't mean I'll do what they do. So that's, wait a that's, minute. That's what they're implying. Elias Spencer Shore still has the he still has the faith and the trust of the Eagle players after doing something like that. Damn, dog. I hate that guy now more. Man, I'll tell you what. You took money off that guy's plate and you smeared his name like that and had nothing to do with it. I sure hope you yeah. know what? I hope I'm not talking out of school. So I'm gonna say this. I don't, you know, I, I don't know, but I hope that that's not really what happened. Yeah. Also, um, Anthony Snoop is a Steelers fan. Snoop yes. is a Steelers fan. Yes. Yep. So wait a minute though. But an article came out on him. Let's say it's not Elliot's. An an article came out on Deshaun Jackson, and they cut him hours later. All right. Let's see here. See if I can find this is 2014. Damn. This was written by. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I just Googled it. Yes. This is when. See, this is this is before he was working for WIP. He was working for NJ.com. It's a 2014 article written by Elliot Shore Parks and AJ Perez, NJ.com. Deshaun Jackson's gang connections troubling to Eagles, published on March 28th, 2014, at 4:05 p.m. I'd have beat that guy's ass. Dude, I'd have fought him. Man. Got to be careful. Got to be careful you know, out there. You tell me and you get on my ass for saying shit about people and what I do, and you write an article, and you blame a young man who's a football player who's doing the right thing, and you throw that shit out there like that, and you cost him a career in Philly? Don't ever tell me I did anything wrong in my career. That's he that is so unprofessional. And guess what? He came. He Deshaun Jackson came off of his best year as a Philadelphia Eagle. He put up he put, at twenty seven. He put up eighty two catches, thirteen hundred yards, and nine touchdowns. And they traded and they moved him. I'll tell you what, guys. You just won me over on Deshaun Jackson. I'll never talk shit on that guy ever again. <laughs> hey, I will never bring that Chip Kelly thing up tone ever again because his exit mm -hmm. was not warranted and not cool. Mm -hmm. Dude, mm -hmm. no wonder your community loves him so much because he was so. And guess what? And, and also remember, it's a, it, that, is he a Hall of Famer? Um, Eagles Hall of Famer, yes. Eagles Hall um, of Famer. He actually remember this this past year, last last offseason, I think he retired as a Philadelphia Eagle. So oh, his, yeah, relationship, his relationship with the Eagles is fine. But whatever 
This article. No wonder they're they, kind to him now. Yeah, because they they know they know they jumped the gun with that. They know they shouldn't have did that to him. They know, but he doesn't hold any ill will against them. He doesn't, which I respect him for. He comes Man, back. You know, you he has a good have, relationship. You well, I'm really glad that you're really not not you, but I'm really glad that Deshaun Jackson is really a good man because I would not. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, okay. he, yeah, yeah. I would not have goodwill towards that when you yeah, when he, you he, he loves the, he loves the Eagles. He loves the Eagles. Retired the Eagles. Signed a one day contract. Came to the prep. Came to training camp. You want me to criminal? You want me to forgive you? You know they they couldn't prove it. So, oh, okay. They couldn't, they couldn't prove it, and I and I didn't believe it either. You know, that was around the time Deshaun Jackson was like, I've never been a part of a game. I don't ever never. want Chip Kelly in the NFL ever again. <laughs> yeah, man. Shit got shit got tricky in Philly around that time. Let me tell you something. That guy ever gets an OC job, that will come up with players in the locker room. Cause because that guy's revered. Deshaun Jackson gets a lot of respect around the NFL. Okay. That guy's revered. Mm-hmm. And you think they, you know, that'd be like hiring Gruden. I'll tell you what, Gruden or him, I don't know, man. What's the difference? Guy wrote some shitty emails or a guy who tried who guy who got me fired for accusing me of being a gangster. I don't think there's I think they're both I think they're both insane. Exactly. Exactly. Shit. I didn't know that. I heard I I kind of remember it, but I didn't know the particulars on the Deshaun. What happened with Shady? I would have to dig a little bit deeper with that. Um, I think the shady situation was they were just because I think they just paid him. Let me. I don't know what happened, but did they trade him to Buffalo? Yeah. Let me see what happened. Leaves Eagles. Yeah, because he went up there like the first year Josh Allen was up there. Yep. Yeah, he was. Yep, he was there. Uh, He was definitely there for the Josh Allen era. All right, Kiko, oh, that's right. Traded for Kiko Alonso. Yeah, yeah, yep. Okay, How'd so here Kiko we go. Play? How'd Kiko work out? All right. <laughs> don't do me. Don't, don't do me. Don't do me <laughs> like that, man. <laughs> All How'd right, here Kiko we go. Kiko Alonso uh, work. So it says here, the Philadelphia Eagles traded LaShawn McCoy to the Bills. Um, We got Kiko, Kiko Alonso. Where are we? Kiko was a former duck. All right. Kiko Alonzo. <laughs> Everybody was shocked too. Well, for what? What? Kiko Alonzo or cause he was traded? No, the fact no, the fact that uh LaShawn McCorp, everybody was shocked. Darren Sproles came out and spoke up. Like, what's going on? It doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, man. They just they, they decided to move on from him. Jeez, and, dude, this guy took a shit on two really <laughs> Yeah, listen. Listen to this. At the time, right? Alonzo. Listen to this. When 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 they traded him, right? Lashawn McCoy, at the time, he had the NFL's third most rushing yards and fourth most rushing touchdowns since the Eagles drafted him in the second round in two thousand nine. He finished that previous season with over with over thirteen hundred rushing yards, which was third most in the NFL. Dude, Sills, Sills, look, I I gotta look, man, I got. 
<laughs> Cut me loose, man. Yeah, I am, man. <laughs> Cut I'm me loose. This, because because we're going down a rabbit hole and you can make me upset. You traded another guy away for Kiko Alonso. Cut me loose, man. What an era of football and Eagles, man. I mean, this shit doesn't get any funnier, man. It hurts. Wait a minute. Hey, the kid. But you know, but now you know, but now you get our frustration with that. that hey, situation. watch this. Guy's a gangster. Cut his ass. Who are we gonna trade Shady for? Kiko Alonso. Kiko Alonso. Who the hell is that? <laughs> now, do you get why we get so angry about that situation? It makes it, <clears throat> they couldn't justify it. They Nothing couldn't. is no. It, it um uh yeah. I mean, they should have fired him then. I mean, dude, do get this. If you're the owner of that team and you're Jeffrey Lurie and you allowed somebody to fire somebody like Deshaun Jackson, that had to be the end of the beginning for Chip Kelly. That yep. had to be. Yep. And, then to at that, yep. and I think at that time, he also traded Foles for Sam Bradford. <laughs> it no. gets worse. It, listen, listen, I'm you telling you. Howie did. Howie was still in the closet at the time, remember? Oh, that's right. Nick Foles for Sam, Sam Bradford. Bradford. I'm gonna let you go, Tone, because um Yes, sir. I, I appreciate you, man. This, Looks, this should always... be quite a history lesson on Philadelphia Eagles, Kiko Alonzo and Sam Bradford. And hey, Deshaun hey. Jackson was accused of being a gangster. Man. Well, who, hey, who, we who, covered who, it who here. Thought? Who would have thought, man? So this is always a pleasure, my friend. Got it, my friend. I appreciate it. That's my friend Tone. Wow. Okie dokie. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, 
Then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Rick Sills, National Football Show. Please hit the like button. Philly Godfather, live from Las Vegas, will be with us at 5.30 Eastern time, and we will talk to him. Hall of Famers came out last night. No Eric Allen. I heard it was close. I heard it was close for Eric Allen. It was a strong debate. I think he was the second most debated player in the building when they were debating Hall of Fame. Um, Anton says, I'm devastated that Eric Allen got passed on again for Hall of Famer Devin Hester made it. And he was still in the womb. I, I, I get it. I get it. Anton, he, it was close from what I understand. Okay? It was close. So I get it what you're saying here. But the guys that did make it were Patrick Willis, linebacker, 49ers. Um, I personally think Fred Warner's better than Patrick Willis. I think Patrick Willis was a really good football player for the 49ers. But do I think, I think, I mean, Fred Warner, I mean, is Patrick Willis better than Seth Joyner? Okay. I don't know. Is he better? Devin Hester. I'm very proud that two Hurricanes have made it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Andre Johnson and Devin Hester have made it to the Hall of Fame. I'm trying to think now, the Hall of Famers that we have in since the 70s. Um, Ted Hendricks, Jim Otto, Jim Kelly, Michael Irvin. I mean, how about this? We just go from the 80s when our program really got kicking. Uh, Michael Irvin, Jim Kelly, Warren Sapp, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, um, Jimmy Johnson, Cortez Kennedy, Andre Johnson, Devin Hester. I would say since 2000, we have 10 Hall of Famers that have gone into the Pro Football Hall of Fame from our program. It's quite a statement about what we did and how great our football program. Let, let, let Edger and James, thank you. There's the 10th one. Very good, Chris. Thank you. That's right. That's the 10th one, Edger and James. 
Frank Gore's going to go in. There's a chance Wolfork will go in. Reggie Wayne's still yet to go in. So we're going to have 13 guys since 2000 go into Pro Football Hall of Fame. Can you name me since 2001 Alabama Crimson Tide player that's in the Hall of Fame from 2000 on? I mean, we've had different coaches too. Can you name me an Alabama player? Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas? Well, th- that that's maybe Julio Jones. Probably will Derek Henry too down the line. But right now, since 2000, can you name me a Alabama Hall of Famer outside of Derek Thomas? Seals, would you put Spags in the Hall of Fame for coaches because he will win? Um, contributor, yeah. I, I, Senor, I said since 2000. Since 2000. Because you can also go Dwight Stevenson back in the day, too. He was an Alabama guy under Coach Bryant. But since 2000, only Derek Thomas? Okay. Well, hey, Scott, I think Seth Joyner belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I would not have a problem with that. They compare his stats to Patrick Willis. I love that. Uh, You know what? I may take a look at that too tomorrow because I don't think Patrick Willis is better than Seth Joyner. I I do not. I I, I do not think he was better. You know, look, and by the way, no shade on Patrick Willis getting into the Hall of Fame. Alabama doesn't have any. I think Ohio State has had um, Orlando Pace since 2000. Orlando Pace. Miami's put, Miami has 10 guys since 2000 in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. These are all guys that played a little after my era. And by by the way, Jerome would have been. You know who, get this, you know who else would have been a Hall of Famer? What other guy would have been a Hall of Famer? Sean Taylor. Two guys, two Hall of Fame players that we lost too soon would have been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Sean Taylor and Jerome Brown. Both would have been in Canton, in my opinion. Yo, Big Seals, what do you think of the Eagles getting? Uh, I, I, Donkey, I would love to get that kid Cooper from Texas A&M. I, I voted for him for almost every single um, All-American team. I love the guy. I think the guy's a great-looking football player. I really do. Um, Chris Carter, Chris Carter, Chris Carter. That's right, Ohio State. Yeah, but he was, let's see, Carter, did he get in the 2000s? I think you're right. He did. Carter, Chris Carter. Good call. That's right. Chris Carter got into the Hall of Fame. He went to Ohio State. Get this, Rico. He was drafted, actually, in the same supplemental draft that me and Bosworth were in. Well, thank God somebody went to the Hall of Fame. Bosworth was one. I was three. And he was, I think, four. 
I think Chris Carter was fourth. Cornelius Bennett belongs in. I don't know so much about Marty Lyons. Okay? Smiley, can we confirm that, please, uh, Tone? Did, did Chip Kelly just take the offensive coordinating job at Ohio State? That can't be true. He's going to leave an NFL or he's going to leave a head coaching position at UCLA to become the offensive coordinator at Ohio State in Columbus. I got a Pac-10 is dead. Yeah, because you know why? UCLA will not be able to compete in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Yes, it's true. Just came across the wire. Chiff bluffed the UCLA to pay him more. It's true. It just came across the wire. Chip Kelly is now the brand new offensive coordinator of Ohio State. What an absolute slap in the face to UCLA football that it's more important and prestigious to be an offensive coordinator at Ohio State than it is to be the head football coach on a team that's transitioning into the Big Ten. That's an absolute kick in the pants. What an absolute shot at the program on the way out the door. Oh, boy, I'll tell you, UCLA just got kicked in the ass, man, on the way out. Holy cow, what a slap in the face. It's an insult to the program. I like that running back down in Miami. He reminds me of Derrick Henry. Yeah, I do too. Man, Chip Kelly just took a gigantic crap on on UCLA. Damn, putting that – sometimes you – I mean, it's incredible. Well – UCLA is not – you know what UCLA is going to become in the Big Ten? Nebraska. Dan, did you play with The Rock? No. The Rock was after me a couple of years. Dan, can you please bring on Covey? I'm going to ask him. It's 7 o'clock your time. I'm talking to him tonight. Your time. For my time. I'm going to talk to him. He's still here in Vegas. And he's at uh, Radio Row, so I'm I'm gonna we're gonna have a conversation before he gets on his airplane, and he heads back to Philly because he wants no, not on air. I told him I wouldn't do it. By the way, I want to give him the benefit. I'm gonna give him the benefit. Um, if he comes on, he comes on. If he doesn't come on, I don't really care. I'm just glad he listens, and I'm really glad that you know he's reached out to me and asked me. And so, like again, I mean, you know, when he, when he, when he, when he, I showed Tone the um, the direct messages. So I was kind of really glad that he did this. And you know, and look, he says he's got no ill will. Just want you to know that I have no regard, and he has nothing negative to say, but. He would like to, um, and this is what he says too down here. I prefer it the way that every not being so public. 
doesn't want to do it in a public manner. Seals intimidating Covey. I hope not. Okay? I hope not. Best Hurricane Team 01. Smiley. The best Hurricane Team is either the 87 Canes team or the 01. But I would say our team because we had Jimmy Johnson as our head coach. They had Larry Coker. But talent-wise, I think they had – you want to hear something, Tone? I think that 01 team, you know who the backups were? The backups were Sean Taylor. I mean, they were like Sean Taylor, Ed Reed were on that team. Ray Lewis was the back was on that uh, team earlier. He wasn't there for 01. But they had a ton of players on that team that were just young dudes. You know, maybe Ray came after. I don't remember. But we had so many dudes that were on that football team. You know, Butch Davis did a great job of recruiting that. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. Philly Godfather, we're going to reset. We'll talk about the Super Bowl. We'll talk a little bit more about what Covey said in that in that interview he did. And we'll kind of hit on that a little bit. We'll reset everything. we got a bunch of stuff to hit on. Philly Godfather is going to join us at 5.30 live from Las Vegas. Frank Gore was a backup. I think, who's the kid who hurt his knee, MG, that was on that team too? Frank Gore was on that team. Who's the guy that went to Buffalo that that ended up hurting his knee? I think Edger and James, I think he wasn't on that team. But I, um, the kid who went to, uh, yeah, McGahee. Willis McGahee was on that team. It was McGahee, Frank Gore, and I think there was somebody else. Um, I, th- I think there was somebody. Clinton Portis was on that team. How about that for you, Tone? Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, and Frank Gore were all on the same backfield. And uh, Andre Johnson and Santana Moss were the receivers. Um, Reggie Wayne was on that team. Jeremy Shockey was on that team. Winslow uh, Winslow Jr. was on that team. Bryant McKinney was on that team. Dude, there was a ton of kids that were on that 01 team. Yep, helped recruit many of them. All right, hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Our big sills, Philly Godfather, will join us live from Vegas. Look at Twiz. Twiz wants me to treat my guests like shit. Instead of with respect. He wants me to get into arguments so they'll never come on again. That's not how you make relationships, kid. What do you mean? I talk different. Of course I do. I want their opinions heard. Most of the people that come on my program um, have a different opinion than me. And most of the people that come on my program actually contradict what I say and don't agree with it. But you want me to scream at them Okay, and um, Keith goes, Seals will be cool with Covey. Why wouldn't I be? He's a player that reached out to me. I, I know, Hollywood. This guy wants me to fight everybody. Dude, I don't have to talk. I, dude, what do you think? I'm going to treat you the same respect that I would treat Covey? Why? You're in here talking shit to me every day. Covey's not. He asked to he have me make a conversation and tell his side of the story. So you, you don't keep the same ener- energy. Yes, I do. Would you? Would any of you outside of this asshole here saying this, that um, I, I don't keep my same energy up for four hours? Are you under some impression that I don't keep my, my energy up? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, have a twist. All good, dude. You got the worst takes. You scream at us? Yeah, because guys like you, Chris, you can't be spoken to. There's no debating you. After a while, you just stop talking to you because you don't really want to hear it. All you want to do is like most of the people, nah, and I would say that 10% of the people in Philly listen to sports talk just so they could bitch back at the guy. Not what he's saying. And you're kind of like in that room. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Tone. Damn, I should have refreshed that thing. Okay. All good. Let's see. 
Let's see here. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Okay, let's get back into here a little bit here. And again, I was really shocked when I saw the interview with Britton Covey. And he was talking about, you know, how the team and how the issues ran out on the football team and the coach and the players were disconnect. Okay? And it was disappointing to hear him say that. Now, I don't know if he's going to walk that back. Okay? 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 Okay, honest to God. I got it, Chris. I don't have... Chris, you're right. But remember this, Chris. I've been doing this for 40 years. There's always people like your 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 team contacting me and players like Britton Covey and Darius Slade contacting me. Okay? It's not just you, Chris. Your 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 players contact me. Your coaches, your PR people. They contact me. That's a fact. Okay? And when I hear the, hear people saying things like, well, yeah, man, there was just a disconnect in the locker room. I mean, I thought that was troubling. And when I heard that today, I listened to it a couple times. And then I posted, I go, how long before this guy walks this thing back? And that's when he contacted me. So, you know, I'm not going to go knee deep on him because I want to hear him. But what I am going to ask you one more time is, like we did in the first hour, this whole scenario here, I don't, hey, I know some of you think this is going to turn around. And because you're an optimistic Eagle fan, you have every right to believe that. I don't. I don't think he has turnaround. Watch this. Do you think, let's ask the question, the most important question about Nick Sirianni. Do you think that coach has problem-solving abilities to turn your team around? Do you think he has problem-solving abilities to turn to turn the team around? I agree, Twiz. Jameson? Okay. How is that helping Hurts? I don't know because I'm not around him. Steve? Did you really have to be around somebody? Like, hey, Steve, if you were sitting in a boat and you saw a captain drive a steamship or a cruise liner into a iceberg, would you really sit in the boat and go, well, I wasn't on the boat, so I don't know if it's the captain's fault. When the captain is in charge of everything and it's his responsibility to divert away from the iceberg 
you're going to go, well, I don't know if it was his fault. I wasn't on the boat. Is that how you look at things? That's what you would say? Sirianni had eight weeks to turn things around and failed. He has no solving ability. That and, and it, he doesn't. That's why this really is all about front office. They never pivoted. All they did was grab more control. And even in the comments made by Britton Covey on Radio Row, I'm assuming yesterday, it's really been confirmed now. I, it makes no sense. This is really, I mean, the more you see it on a day-to-day conversation with people, okay? What is with the Nick hate? Here, take a look at Ridiculous. What is with the Nick hate? He is well above a 500 record. Then why was he on the lock for being fired? This guy answers, this guy's asking a question he knows the answer to. Hey, at least, ridiculous, at least Doug was fired for four wins. Why was he almost fired? For 11. And according to you, the 667 win percentage and the three playoff appearances. Why did they fire his entire coaching staff? Hire brand new assistants and coordinators. Take all of his power away. If all those things helped him. Dude, all those things saved him from being canned. See, where I go with this is this. The firing of Doug Remember the comment I made to you? How many Super Bowls do you think you have left on the table because you didn't allow Doug to turn it around, have control, and have a quality superstar coach like that in the building? You know what you guys said? Probably none, really. If Doug's the coach of that team last year, you win the Super Bowl against Andy. I can count one already you left on the table. Every chance you get to win a Super Bowl and you don't, I'll give the whole thing with Andy Reid. I'll give the whole thing, and I agree with you. Tone, I give you shit, and I give everyone else 14 years. Dog, I can't think of a guy in NFL history that lasted 14 years and didn't win a Super Bowl at any time in his career. I mean, that's a long time to be in a building. Maybe Bud Grant. But Bud got to Super Bowls, and he got the four of them, or three of them. Yeah, no, he got the four of them. He got the four Super Bowls, and he didn't win them. I get it. But at least he got there and won NFC titles. Okay? I I get it. So I'm going to assume it was Bud Grant. But, dude, I mean, this goes back to this. You had to coach. You don't now. And you're going to hide behind his, you know, we got people on our network and also in the media and radio in Philly that are backing this guy when you got players and coaches talking shit on him every day. It's a new comment every day about him. 
get this. You know, doesn't it sound like I'm talking about the same shit every day? You know why? Because there's new stuff that comes out every day. It's new stuff every single day that comes out about this guy. Dude, I I heard um, Rob Ellis today. I thought Rob Ellis came unglued. It was great. He's like, I can't believe that this is how this has all been looked at. And you know what? It's almost like you're getting to an epiphany where certain guys who really like the guy. And by the way, this is where I have a disconnect with everyone. I don't really give a shit about whether you like him or not. It has no bearing on me. Because, again, maybe that's because the NFL beat me up so much. You know what I'm saying, Tone? And the NFL beat me up so much that I don't really have empathy for them in any way, shape, or form. And so um, I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't come from that angle where I fall in love with somebody. Like, hey, look, somebody goes like this, do you like the Bucks? Why? The Bucks robbed me. Okay. And the Cowboys, I got sick there. I mean, so, I mean, do I really have any kind of loyalty? No. I don't have any loyalty to that. But you see, you guys, you know, you guys are Eagle guys. Nope. And I'm not ripping it. I'm really not ripping it. Okay. I'm not ripping it. You guys should be cool. Mike, they got the wrong coach. He because he's not a coach. We're fans, Dan. We love our dude. No, no, Steve, you're you're not wrong. Steve, that that the comment that I'm making here. Okay, the comment that I'm making here. Um, Sills holds grudges. Mike, do I hold grudges? Yeah, I do. Especially when you do people wrong. I mean, I give it to Deshaun Watson, or excuse me, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Chip Kelly, the way he was treated after what I heard in the last hour, I'd have a grudge with that guy, and I would pray for, not pray, I would not comment on that guy. If somebody asked me my my opinion of uh, Chip Kelly, I would say horrific relationship, and I'd rather not comment on it. And I, and I wish him nothing but the worst. And I'm going to leave it there. And I'd move on. That's what I kind of do now. Hey, what do you make of this guy you worked for? I'd rather not comment on it. And everyone knows I comment on everything. My silence is enough. Is it me or 49ers Mirror Elway's Bronco style? Well, Shanahan. Okay. I owe grudges too. I wish I didn't. Yeah, me too sometimes. Okay. I do too. All right. We talked a little bit about the game. By the way, our friend Philly Godfather is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts. Um, I said this to Tone earlier, and I said it to you guys earlier in the first hour. I want to reset it a bit. I, I saw that Kevin Stefanski gets uh, coach of the year over D'Amico Ryans. Um, why would that be? Why would, what, what, what is the political angle of that for the NFL? 
I didn't vote for Stefanski because I vote on the honors. Okay? Senora, I vote on the honors, and I voted for Ryan's. What is in the best interest for Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns to win that versus the Houston Texans? What's the NFL's angle? I don't get it. Look, he did a great job. He did a great job of coaching this year. He did. Um, but Ryan's was not – I mean, how many people had the Texans winning as many games as they did this year? I think how many um, – how, how many people um, – how many people thought they'd win four games with a new coach and a rookie quarterback? All Eagles media don't know nothing about actual game of football. They just push narratives to start drama. Thank you, Big Marshall. Awesome stuff. Appreciate it. D'Amico deserved it, man. Well, Stefanski had five different quarterbacks. I get it. Probably because he's white. And they had the comeback player of the year. Comeback player of the year from what? Sitting on his couch? That award's stupid. If you're going to do that. Dude, the guy um, from Buffalo should have won that. The fact that he even stood on a field after dying twice. That's comeback player of the life. DeMar Hamlin. Should have won that award. And it really, they should name the award after him. Joe Flacco for playing five games? It's a stupid award. You know, you you actually, in my opinion, I heard Tone make a point. Well, you had to validate the award by using a big name. I think you insulted the award by having a guy like that win it. We're coming back from what? Being on the street? And coming back because he was on his couch? Did he have an injury? Coming back from what? Oblivion? I didn't know that was a comeback. Well, when a kid's dying on a field and you're watching a nation give heartfelt love to a guy who's dying in Cincinnati and he's on a football field and he's dying and the NFL gives that award to Joe Flacco, I, I think that's an insult. As a former player, when you know what you give to that game every day, and that kid gave his heart and soul and his life for the game, and you give it to Joe Flacco, the award means shit. You hurt the award. DeMar Hamlin died twice in his life on a football field. On a Monday night. And you give to the quarterback who played five games and jumped off the couch after eating Cheetos. And you're telling me that's a great award. I think it's an insult. It's an insult to the players that play the game. (laughs) Comeback player of the year. Comeback player of the year is DeMar Hamlin. There's no getting around it. He was active. He played. He died. 
Why wouldn't the NFL want to make a story out of that? You actually, if you if you named Damar Hamlin the winner of that, think of the publicity you could have done for people who have cardiac arrest issues in the country. Maybe you don't want to make the award like the Walter Payton Award because Damar Hamlin, you would have made that thing look like the Walter Payton Award. He gave it to a guy who played five games. Um, NFL had a – you know why? Can I tell you why I think they didn't give it to D'Amico Ryans? He's a former player. League don't want to promote that. They like those Nick Sirianni guys. You know, those Callahan guys. And then bookworm dudes. That's who they like. How come Mike Vrabel didn't get a job? What, what was the word tone? What was the phrasing? He intimidated people in interviews. Oh. They didn't give D'Amico Ryans that award because he's a former player. League doesn't want to promote former players as head coaches. That's not what they're doing. Look at the freaking hires. Look at the hires. There's no ex-guys hired. They want them bookworms from the analytics department. Okay. All right. Boy, I'll tell you, man, there, there, there's Wayne Newton. And then there's the Philly Godfather who is like on every single show on Radio Row in Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend, our friend, Philly Godfather, man. How you doing, brother? It's crazy out here, Dan. It's wild. For you, man, I see you everywhere. Yeah, we just did NBC World News. We did a bunch of things on Sports Grid TV, ABC. I mean, it's it's been a hectic day. Tell me about Radio Row. Now it's called Media Row, I think it is. It used to just be a bunch of radio uh, stations. I've, I've, I've been to about 20 of those things, and, you know, some of them are a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm sure you're seeing everybody there. How's Vegas putting on the Super Bowl? It's great, man. I mean, the food's great. The people are really nice. Uh, radio Row, everyone was really nice. A lot of guys doing podcasts now, videos, a lot of radio guys, a lot of TV guys. It's been a blast. I can't complain. It's just I've been getting up every morning around 6 o'clock in the morning. It's a lot of work, you know? It's, the city must look great because I lived there for a little bit. The strip must be off the charts. Oh, it's packed now. The other day the president was here. Yeah, I mean, it, it took the cabs forever to get to where you got to be. Uh, we went to Spago's. We went to Prime, and we went to some of the best restaurants out here. The food's so good, Dan, so good. Um, hey, hey, and I'll tell you what, man. You know what, people? When you get out to Vegas, when you go to those to those restaurants in the place, man, they're absolutely like the MGM Grand in those places are absolutely off the charts. All right, let me let me get into first and foremost um, the Eagles and what you've seen so far over the last couple of days here with. You know, you got Britton Covey coming out yesterday. 
and he was doing an interview. Actually, get this too. Godfather, he reached out to me today, and I'm talking to him later privately. We're going to have a conversation. And he said that Sirianni lost the team and that there was a disconnect between the players and the coaching staff like around week eight. Um, when you hear that stuff, I mean, what's that tell you a little bit about what we're going to be in store for next year? I mean, I hope it's not downhill. The odds makers kind of like uh, the fact that the Eagles picked up Fangio and picked up Kellen Moore. Their odds were 22 to 1 to win it all. They went down to 20 to 1. So that's a good, good sign if you, you know, if the line's dropping in the market, but nothing major. I actually talked to uh, Covey yesterday, and when I seen him in person, he's the, the kid's tiny. I go up to him, I go, you got to be really fast, man, because you're small. He might be 150 pounds soaking away. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I I mean, I gave him hey, I gave him a lot of kudos, man, for reaching out to me. And I'm 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 looking forward to touching base with him because you know he wants to clear the air. And I said, okay, so I'm gonna talk to him. Give me your take on the game. Um, how do you see this thing playing out? I mean, it's a tough game. If uh I like San Francisco in the first half, minus a half a point. The reason being is they've only trailed three times during the regular season all year going into halftime. In two of those games, they were really banged up offense defense. Against the Ravens, they were losing 13-12. Ravens kicked the field goal right before halftime. If you guys remember, Purdy turned, threw two interceptions in the first half, and that's why they were uh, you know losing going into halftime in that game. So they're really strong, man, coming out, coming out fast. And they're going to have to come out fast and strong against this Kansas City team and try to build a lead because – you know, with Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field, no lead is ever safe. You know, I, I, that's kind of one of the things that I said here that – I do you, do you agree that the 49ers have to score first? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and if you look at their games this year, their average margin of, of lead going into the fourth quarter is right around 7.6 points. So they got to be ahead in this game because if Kansas City pulls away with that defense, number one in sack percentage – I mean, they're going to be bringing the pressure. If they could rattle Purdy, it could be a long day. And if Pacheco gets going, that's going to be the key. To me, see, I think he's the key to this because if he goes over 100 yards, I think that game's over. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to stop the run because if the Chiefs are controlling the time of possession battle, you know Mahomes ain't going to make any mistakes. You know that defense is going to hold strong. If they get running – I bet Pacheco anytime touchdown minus 125. You can bet an alternate line. If you think Pacheco gets over 106 yards, you can get five to one on your money. So if you think he has a big day, it might be something you're looking to bet. I got some prop bets here, and I want to get your takes on them. Your favorite to win the Super Bowl MVP? I haven't bet it, uh, but if you believe in conspiracy theories, if you believe in the whole Taylor Swift thing, how do you not take Travis Kelsey at 12 to one? Uh, he's he's most lethal weapon on the field for the Kansas City Chiefs this season. The only thing that scares me about that is last year his receiving props were closer to 100 yards for the Super Bowl. This year they're down to 71. So that's telling you that the 49ers have the guys on defense to slow them down. They're not going to be able to stop them, but they should be able to slow them down. I mean, 19 of the last 24 MVPs, quarterbacks, it's hard to not to take a quarterback for the MVP. Um, who else could win it? Bosa, if he has a big game, but that Chiefs Debo? Debo's a little banged up. I'm talking to a lot of guys out here, and I don't want to say exactly, you know, but he's going to play, but he's, you know, he's banged up. So that kind of scares That kind of scares me, and I'm kind of happy because I have a lot of Kittle props. I got Kittle over three and a half receptions, 
over 45 and a half receiving yards. I bet an alternate line over 70 receiving yards plus 265 on your money. And the reason why I bet those props is anytime Kittle faced, you know, blitz happy defense this season, he's averaging right around 91 receiving yards a game. And we all know the Chiefs love the blitz. Last week, they blitzed on 43.5% of the dropbacks that Lamar Jackson had. So if they come out with the same game plan, I could see Kittle having a big game. Who do you think leads the game in receiving yards? Mm, I'm hoping it's Kittle. Um, I know Debo's a little banged up, so I'm not expecting him. I'm expecting him to do a lot more running in this game. I bet over 14 and a half rushing yards and over 13 and a half rushing yards for Debo. Uh, Rice, I mean, if you want to take a flyer, if, if, if they're slowing down Kelsey with Warner and those linebackers and those guys on defense for San Francisco, he might end up being a star in this game. So, uh, they're the guys I'm looking at. What about McCaffrey and his impact in the game? You know, here, here's a guy that's a dual threat guy, two, over 2,000 yards, offensive player of the year. Your your spin on him and his impact, you think, in this game? Man, if he gets that motor running, 49ers ain't losing. He's the ultimate weapon in the NFL. Uh, there's, a, there's a prop bet on him, longest reception over 13 and a half yards. He can catch a screen pass and break on for 15 and 20. I thought that was kind of short. Uh, yeah, I mean, but his yardage is up there. I think it's in the 90s, so that kind of scares me a little bit, his rushing yards, where the other guys are a lot lower. Over, under, in the points. What is the points? I mean, is it 44? No, it's 47 and a half. I saw a 48 pop up for like a New York minute. I've been under 32 and a half pass attempts for Purdy because I think their only path to victory is to run the ball, get that ground game going. And if they're doing that, they're chewing up clock. And if they have a lead going in the fourth quarter, and they're running the ball, they're chewing up clock. So since I bet the under 32 and a half pass times for Purdy, it kind of correlates with the under in the in the ball game. Do you think there'll be more TDs or field goals in the game? It's a dome. You might see more field goals and touchdowns. You got two pretty good defenses. Uh, Chiefs pressure rate, number one in the NFL this season. So you might see Andy and uh, Shannon take some shots with some longer field goals. You know, if they were playing outdoors with the weather, you're not looking to kick field goals. But in a game like this, in a tight game where turnovers are going to mean everything, uh, you might see some more field goals. Time of possession. Who leads the game in time of possession? Because, again, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, I, I don't know if they're big strike any longer because they don't have a guy like Tyree Kill there, whereas the 49ers like to be methodical, run the ball, but they're also big strike capability as well. And Purdy has led the NFL in big throws this year down the field, believe it or not. So, I mean, how do you see this number here? Because this could really determine the game who has the ball the most. Yeah, I mean, I would lean to the Kansas City Chiefs in that department because, like you said, the 49ers have so many weapons on that football field. They can score quickly. While the Chiefs, they haven't been doing it that this year. They've been, I think, ranked in the basement in the NFL in explosive uh, plays this season. So it's probably going to go to the Chiefs if they can get that ground ball, you know, the, the running game going here. Um, over under, it takes Philly Godfather four shots to get hammered. <laughs> no. Oh, man, we used to hang out at networks on City Line Avenue as kids. I was I was like a 15 to 20 shot guy. So, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I, I'm not that kid no more. But, but who, who, who are some of the people that you've run into there on, the, um, on Media Row? Uh, we met everybody, man. Tony Bruno. Uh, we're hanging with Tony Bruno. I you know, he knows, with Tony, how's he doing? He's doing great. He knows everybody. Michael Irvin, uh, 
House Thomas was there. I mean, every every Wayne Newton was there. You name it. He's got such a like wide array of guests from every spectrum, from the football, from the entertainment industry, from everywhere. And everybody loves him, man. Tony's the man. I love him. He absolutely is. Well, enjoy yourself. I know you're sitting there. You got a lot of stuff to do. Tell the folks where they can get a hold of you, where they can watch you. Hey, by the way, are you going to be on this weekend from Vegas on your shows this weekend, or are you going to be hanging out with Wayne Newton? <laughs> well, Michael Irvin's party was last night. That was crazy. Yeah, we we're out to like five in the morning. But uh, now, nah, no show this week. It's been a rough week. We've been hanging out all night, waking up early. So uh, it's been really exhausting. Uh, when it comes to the full game side, if you can get the Chiefs plus three, you might be able to cash a ticket. Uh, that's probably a good bet. But I like the 49ers in the first half. Well, Philly Godfather, don't get my boy in trouble, you know, because, you know, he's, you know, I, 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 we all, we all keep an eye on him nowadays. So just keep an eye on my boy and watch out for him. <laughs> it was a blast. Thanks for having me on, Dan. And, uh, you got it, man. See you guys. Thank you so much, man. God bless. You got it. That is our friend, Philly Godfather. We appreciate him coming aboard with us here. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. 
go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. I'm looking forward to this game. A lot of history. Um, Andy Reid solidifies himself if he wins another Super Bowl. What is that? Five Super Bowls for him? Four in Kansas City, one in Philly. That's five. Man, five conference championships. Three Super Bowl wins. Where does that put him in the pantheon? He's not Noel. He's not Belichick. Is he third? Is it is is he in that room? Lombardi's got two, but he had five championships prior to the Super Bowl. The first two Super Bowls, he won them but he's the last football team that went three championships in a row. Um, You know, how many Super Bowls does he have left? The retirement talk? I mean, him and Mahomes could probably win, what, three more? If they win on Sunday? That would give them five? All the conference championships? Shoot. I mean, you put him in you put him in context. Reed would go down as one of the top three coaches in the history of the sport, definitely during the Super Bowl era. And then you look at Mahomes. Mahomes' place. Mahomes wins another Super Bowl that's three in four attempts. He got another three in him. That's six. It's one behind Brady. Man. I never thought that I would say, after seeing Tom Brady, what he did. You see, I'm starting to think this, that Mahomes is going to do this in a shorter span than what Brady did it in. Let's put it this way. Um, What if Mahomes wins six Super Bowls inside of 12 years? And Brady won, a super, won seven in 21 years. Who would you consider the greatest quarterback of all time winning-wise when it came to postseason play? Guy did it in a shorter period of time or the guy that did it for more longevity? I think you're more spectacular when you do things in a shorter period of time. It's kind of like Jordan. Now, you can't compare Jordan to Russell because Russell won those titles. Was it, if I'm not mistaken, I think Bill Russell, counting San Francisco, when he was at the University of San Francisco, am I right to say this? He won 11 titles in 13 years between the two national titles at San Francisco when he was a Don. And then when he got to the um, Celtics, he won those titles when he was with the Celtics. So, Seals, do you – Sills, do you dismiss the regular championships compared to the Super Bowls? <laughs> Montana's still goat. He never lost. So would you say this, Twiz? Um, same with Bradshaw, too. He never lost. Um, would you say this, Twiz, about those guys that Montana 
because he never lost. They're kind of like Michael Jordan. That that's how you kind of look at the difference between Jordan and LeBron. Is that you know, LeBron? I mean, Montana had that one team that had nobody on it, and they won a Super Bowl. And when they beat Cincinnati and Detroit, there was nobody on that team except for a really good defense. And I, I liked what you guys were saying the other day when uh, Jason Cole was on. You guys are dead right. I mean, they had Keena Turner on that team. They had Eric Wright on that team. They had Ronnie Lott on that defense. They had Hacksaw Reynolds on that defense. They were a really good football team on defense. And the offense was Montana and nobody's. So that 81 team, to me, it will always solidify Montana more than really any of the other Super Bowls because it showed you he really didn't need Rice. He was still going to win them. Now, he may not have won as many without Rice, but he still won a Super Bowl without Rice. He didn't, you know, Rice never won a Super Bowl without him. Well, no, that's not right. He did win one. He won it with Young. Okay, he did. He won it with he won it with Steve Young. Jordan has more championships than LeBron. Brady has more than Montana. I understood. I I, I get it. Okay. Now Brady and LeBron Brady and Jordan have have uh well Brady has one more championship than Jordan. I actually like that question, Matt. Who was more of an impact player in his sport, Jordan or Brady? I like that. That's a great topic. Who had more impact on his sport, Brady or Jordan? One winning six, the other winning seven. Jordan played with Hall of Famers. Wait a minute. Played with Dennis Rodman, Hall of Famer. Played with Scottie Pippen, Hall of Famer. Hall of Fame coach. Um, Jordan or Brady? He did. He had a great coach too. Jordan or Brady? Who was the most impactful player? Brady played with some great players too, Sills. Gronk. Edelman and Amendola were really good. They were Amendola and Edelman were kind of like Steve Kerr. Jordan changed basketball. No, the way it was presented. The way it was presented, the merchandising of the shoes, Jordan changed the the landscape for all athletes with the shoe endorsements. Because, well, it was Bird and Magic first with the Converse. It was actually Dr. J first. Whatever you, whatever you do, never go against Mahomes. He gets his third Super Bowl. Okay. Jordan is no worldwide. Brady isn't. That's because of the brand. So, Chris, you're 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 right because the story goes this way. Um, 
You know, you know, you know the name Sonny Vaccaro. Do you guys know who Sonny Vaccaro is? Sonny Vaccaro was the guy who was working with Nike, and Jordan wanted to go with Adidas. Converse had made a pitch to him, and then Nike came in and they wanted him to endorse. Nike had a shitty shoe back in the day. Had a shitty shoe. And Sonny Vaccaro went to the mom. The mom did a lot of negotiating for Jordan in his early career. It, it wasn't David Falk. Then she hired David Falk. And David Falk, how she be, how he became the biggest agent on the planet. You know, you know what I heard David Falk say the other day? That Michael Jordan turned down a $174 million deal for a 30-second spot. And he turned it down. He said, that's okay. You hear what I said? Jordan turned down like $170 million. And they wanted 30 minutes of his time. And he wouldn't do it. That's when you've got FU money. And so Sonny Vaccaro went. They started negotiating. And then David Falk went like this. Well, if we're going to sign with you guys, you have to have a Jordan brand. His own shoe. And so... Supposedly, the first shoe sucked, and Jordan didn't really like the insole. He didn't like – there was that red one with the white. was red and white, if you remember right. He didn't really like it. So he still – and it, it used to give him blisters. So he had them. They kept fixing it, fixing it. By the third shoe, it was great. He was comfortable with it. And off it went. And to this day, Michael Jordan – you want to hear this? Michael Jordan makes $372 million a year off the Nike brand just in salary alone. Michael Jordan has, I mean, he, he makes over $300 million a year just on, the, just on the Nike brand. That just shows you right there how much of an impact that guy had. And so you're right. I mean, I mean, Jordan had impact on how athletes sold. Um, themselves and their likeness. Absolutely. Yes, sir. You know, I was before we um before we had Philly Godfather, we were talking about those awards that I vote on for the NFL honors. And you understand that that's why D'Amico Ryan's he didn't win that award. He didn't win that award because he's a player, in my opinion. That you know, if you think about it, how many former players have been named NFL coach of the year? Let's see. Ditka? Dungy? They don't like promoting. They don't like promoting that. Landry? Landry's former player? Okay. Oh, there's the right way to go. Let's take a look at the last 15 years when they got away from that. Let's take a look at that there, um, Tone. That's, I love that. Thank you. Okay, so Vrabel. Garrett. Rivera. Jim Harbaugh. Marvin Lewis, 
Marty Schottenheimer. So since 2000, Lovey never was a player. Um, since 2000, Jim Haslip played. And there's let's do it since Vermeil, since 99. Six coaches that are former players since 99. Six former players have won the NFL Coach of the Year award. Think about that. Six. I think Marvin Lewis played. Maybe he didn't. Did Marvin Lewis play? If not, it's five. Was Marvin Lewis an NFL player? I don't. I, I thought he was. Yeah, Marty Schottenheimer. Really, he played for the Bills, if I'm not mistaken. Schottenheimer, Bills, and maybe Browns, and could have been a Chief. Did I? I did Marvin Lewis play? I know Bruce didn't. I know Ron did. Ron won it twice. Is that right? Ron Rivera won it with the Panthers twice. Wow. Nope, he was a coach sales. Marvin Lewis never. Five guys, Tone, everyone, since 1999 that were former NFL players have been named NFL Coach of the Year. Okay? That just shows you they don't want to. D'Amico Ryans didn't get that because he's a former player. Because there's no other excuse. There's just no other excuse on why he uh, on why he didn't win that. Yeah, Seifert didn't play. No. Absolutely. So... Hey, Tone, jump on here for one last thing. I want to get your one last talk takeaway when it comes to the um, to the Super Bowl here. Yes, sir. You got me? Got you. All right. All right. So tell me how you think it plays out here. Uh, this is going to be a hell of a game. Let's make that clear. It's going to be um, it's going to be one for the ages, but I got the Chiefs winning this game 27-24. Who's your MVP? Patrick Mahomes, baby. Patrick Mahomes. I say... Travis Kelsey. Ah, so you think T Swift is going to drop that bag, huh? Damn, I can't because I got the Niners. Shit. So yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go McCaffrey. I can't do that because I've That's got a good pick. I've got McCaffrey. That's a good okay? pick. Who leads the game in rushing, McCaffrey or Pacheco? That's a good question. I think I'm going to say. I think I'm going to say McCaffrey. What receiver has a big game? Travis Kelsey or Debo? Travis. Nick Boza. Sacks in the game. Zero. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes is a hard guy to sack. Who wins the coin toss? Chiefs. Does Andy Reid retire Monday? No. 
More touchdowns or field goals in the game on Sunday? If I if I got it 27-24, I think by default that's more touchdowns. So, yeah, uh, more touchdowns. Who leads the game in time of possession? Chiefs. Who has more passing yards, Purdy or Mahomes? Now, mind you. Purdy because he's going to be behind. Has Mahomes really had a Super Bowl? Like, how many yards did he did he throw for only like 207 against the Eagles in the last Super Bowl? Was it was it something like 207? Yeah, he didn't throw it was like 190 something. Let me see. All right, here, here we go. All right. So um in the Super Bowl against the Eagles, he threw for 182. In the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay, he threw for 270. And in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. He threw for 286. Not huge numbers. Yeah. Not huge yeah. numbers. All the, right, um, don't appreciate yep, it, dude. Yeah, yep. The Super Bowl against the Eagles, he threw, he had his least amount of attempts. He only had 27 attempts. Did most lower. of those yards, though, come in the second half? Uh, against the Eagles, yes. Yep. Especially in that fourth, right? Yeah, yeah, you ain't got to remind me. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, okay. Again. Again. I, I, <laughs> all right. I, I got you. I appreciate it, Tone. Thank you so yes, much, sir. my oh. friend. All right. This should be a great time. Super Bowl Sunday. I happen to agree with Jason Kelsey. I think Monday should be a national holiday or play the game on Saturday so that we can have a day of respite after all of our partying after a Super Bowl. I completely get it. Thank you guys so much for coming aboard. Xander, Big Joe, we thank you very much. Tone, you absolutely kill it each and every single time. Till Monday, it'll be Super Bowl Monday. And we will have a lot to talk about. By the way, I'm going to let you guys know my conversation with Britton Covey, and hopefully we can get him on next week. And I'm going to be talking to him tonight. So we'll have a conversation with him. We appreciate it. Two to six on Monday, and we'll see you on the flip side. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.